Fortnightly podcast about stealth video games. On every episode, we go in depth on one specific game and discuss whether said game's stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Mahern, and joining me on this episode, and yes, every single episode after that, it is Adam Carroll. Hello. And joining Adam Carroll and I, it is the one and only Mr. Josh Wise. Hello. This is, as I alluded to in the last episode, this is kind of the first proper episode of Stealth Boom Boom, where the people are going to be, you know, figuring out the format, uh, and I'm sure things will change as it goes along, but for the most part, uh, you're going to be seeing what an episode of Stealth Boom Boom is. And because we're going to be looking at games from the past, I thought the best way to begin each podcast is to cast your mind back, to go back to those eras where uh, the games that we're going to be talking about on said episodes actually came out. So lads, please, if you will, tonight we're going to party like like it's it's January January 17, 2003. 2003. (laughs) Before we chat about the game, yes, we need to get into the right headspace. And uh, I suppose I, I wanted to give you a little bit of insight into what was happening in the world on the 17th of January, 2003, the, the day that the game we're going to be discussing came out. And just to test your knowledge, to, to get you to see if you can actually remember what was happening in the world at that time. Firstly, tell me, Josh Wise, mm-hmm. who was top of the Premier League? I'm going to say... I know nothing of these things, but I'm going to say Manchester United. Ooh, second place. Second oh, place. I um, take a stab at that. Uh, you can if you wish, yes. There, I will say there are no points up for grabs, I will say, okay? This is just oh, friendly. I'm not forgetting that, actually. <laughs> uh, so t- top was Arsenal. Oh, man. Adam Carroll, can you tell me who was, on January 17, 2003, who was WWE champion? In what year, 2000 when? Three. The day, the, it's the day of the game we're going to be talking about came out. <laughs> Hang on. Um, 2003. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Was it Triple H? Triple H. It, was, it wasn't Triple H. It was, however, the reason I included this was because it's, it's a man that definitely the both of you know. It was former Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. Oh. Uh, he, he was number one. Now, let's take a look at the charts, and I have the number one single that week, both in America and the UK. Both are different. Adam, why don't you try and tell me what was number one in America in January 17th, 2003? I'm just going to take a wild guess. It wasn't by a chess Nickelback? No, no, it wasn't. I suppose Nickelback would have been a little bit earlier, would it? Yeah, see, this um, is the problem with time. Eminem with Lose Ooh. Yourself. Ooh. Oh, man. Mm. Yeah. So not, not that song uh, in the UK, uh, but it was a different, different one. So, Josh, can you tell me what was number one in the UK? Uh, I'm going to say the 2003 was the thing. Was it Changes? 
the Aussie Osborne and his daughter. Oh, oh yeah. yes. No, it wasn't. Not, not a bad guess, I don't think, though. I seem no. to remember that was quite popular, but there you go. It was Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. Oh, Ooh, that's tune. a good song. Absolute mm. belter. <clears throat> yes. yes, I'm glad we're all in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> no. Let's go to the movies, lads. Uh, again, number one cinema that uh, in the cinemas that week, both in America and the UK. Again, both are different. Adam, tell me, what was number one in the UK in January 2003? Oof, uh, Titanic. No. <laughs> no, it, and I thought, I thought I was giving you a layup there. Because number one in the UK, what did I say was number one in the charts in America? Eminem, lose yourself. What was number one in the UK in the cinemas? It was Eight Mile. Was it? Eight Mile was number one. Josh, this is uh, this is a real toffee. Uh, what was number one in America? It's um, going to be... I'm going to take a stab and say, catch me if you can. That must have gone quite high. No. Catch me if you can was uh, fourth, actually, that week. Oh. Number one was... The classic, much better than Catch Me If You Can, I think we can all agree, mm. Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's a film I'd forgotten existed, and I was quite happy in the state of forgetting, but... Uh... Fair enough. I've been I've been reminded. But I'm glad now. We've set the stage. That's where everyone was in 2003, listening to Eminem on their Walkmans and going into the cinema to watch Kangaroo Jack. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's where we all were as a society. Um, <laughs> however, we were also playing one video game in particular. Mm. So let's now dive into that video game with a section we like to call Back of the Box. So the game we're looking at today is Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus, or at least that's what it was called in North America, because in Europe, where we are, it was called, boringly, Sly Raccoon. What a, what an yeah, atrocious a name comparison. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. I mentioned, this one did come out on the 17th of January 2003 in Europe. So we are celebrating its uh, 20th anniversary uh, in Europe, because in America it came out a couple of months prior on the 23rd of September 2002. Mm. It was a different time. Imagine that happening now. Mm. You, and, and that will, you know, a, a number of the games we discuss on this podcast, you will see like massive gaps, maybe even a year in uh, in certain cases. I think actually a game coming up in t- maybe two or three games time, there's like a year or two between release dates. Sure. This one uh, originally came out on the PlayStation 2. However, it was re-released on uh, the 9th of November 2010 on PlayStation 3 via the Sly Collection in, again, America, in Europe. It was called the Sly Trilogy because they thought we were thick and didn't. <laughs> we needed to be told there were three games in this. Uh, however, I think across all territories it was called the Sly Collection when it was released on Vita on the 27th of May 2014. Now, I did want to tell you what was actually on the back of the physical box on the actual sleeve of the PlayStation 2 version of the game and I think I found the American version I'm guessing it was the same in Europe but I can't say for definite so there were just like three images of gameplay with text and the the text is is fairly standard there's like uh, spotlight alarms and infrared lasers rooftop chases narrow escapes and dodging security guards but then there's one sentence that I quite enjoyed grabbing priceless jewels and emptying casinos it's like taking candy from a baby <laughs> I mean you don't do any of those things really in the game no, no. but still it's it's nice but then there's like the main text on the box reads as follows 
there's a new thief in town. Sly Cooper, the notorious international thief, is out to reclaim what is rightfully his. Prepare to infiltrate the most secure places in the world. He's one cunning, devious, thievious raccoonus. Now, I have two problems with that. As do I. Okay, Josh, can you tell me what, what are the issues with what I just said? Well... Yeah, I mean, so the one that leaps out and annoys me is he's not the Thievius Raccoonus. Thank the, you. The Thievius Raccoonus yeah. is a book, so that's so they've, so that's annoying straight off the bat. They fuck that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't, the, the other one's now left my head. So what was the other one? There was definitely another. The other one, one is it starts by saying there's a new thief in town. Yeah, what was the old one? Li- literally the next sentence, Sly Cooper, the notorious international thief, is out to reclaim what is right. Is he new? Or is he notorious already? Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't work. Has he been around the block <laughs> an awful lot? Like, is he a, an experienced head at this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. It's a, It's madness. It's madness. And I, I hope they know 20 years after releasing their game, they'd have people dissecting the wording on the back of the box. Yeah. Uh, this is what you open yourselves up to, lads. I'm mm. sorry to tell you. I did want to kind of summarise the story for some people because I'm guessing there will be some people who will be listening to this and maybe haven't played the game. So trying to uh, condense it down to its core as best as I can. You play a Sly Cooper, a Danny Ocean type of raccoon that comes from a long line of master thieves. As a young kid or kit... Thank you very much. Uh, He read all about his ancestors' exploits in the ancient book, The Thievius Raccoonus. On the night he was meant to inherit the book, a group of very nasty anthropomorphic animals called the Fiendish Five showed up at his door, murdered his father in cold blood, his mam as well, but she doesn't get much of a mention, the poor woman. Savage. Uh, Then, adding insult to ultimate injury, the ultimate injury being death, they stole the Thievius Raccoonus from the Cooper family vault. They then split the book into five... Uh, in a wild thing, just took random pages, uh, went to different parts of Earth and did some criming. Mm. Now, a full-blown adult raccoon, Sly and his two best friends he met at the orphanage he grew up at, uh, a, a clever turtle called Bentley and a good driving hippo called Murray, uh, they set off on a globetrotting adventure that includes tracking down a frog that's in Wales and ultimately to track down the thievish raccoonus and put a stop to the Fiendish Five's <laughs> evil doings. And there's an Interpol agent called Carmelita in there and many other things that we'll talk about later on. That's it in a nutshell-ish. So, who made this game? Who put this together for us to uh, talk about 20 years after its release? Well, your developer is Sucker Punch Productions, a developer that many will be familiar with now. However, back then, no, no, no. They were a fledgling developer at this point, having only been founded five years prior in October 1997 by a group of ex-Microsoft employees. The studio had one game under their belt at this point, a game called Rocket Robot on Wheels. I don't know if anyone's familiar. It was an N64 game. Uh, They funded it themselves, spending two years making approximately three quarters of the game before approaching any publishers. In the end, Ubisoft published the game and it came out uh, towards the tail end of 99. It didn't sell well, but it was well received by critics. So they decided to go again with Sly Cooper. And what, what I suppose I should say, what I want to do with these when I talk about the developers or publishers, I'm talking like basically up to that point in history. Because, you know, we may talk about, say, Ghost of Tsushima or one of the other Sly games or whatever. So this is just where Soccer Punch were up to this point. Mm. So likewise, the publisher was mom and pop, 
I believe they call them, uh, type of operations. Uh, Sony Computer Entertainment. Now Sony Interactive Entertainment. And I'm not going to go into the entire history of Sony up to this point because even that would take a very long time. They were doing all right. Uh, the PlayStation 2 had been out for around two years. And up to this point, Sony themselves had published the first three Crash Bandicoots, the first two Gran Turismo's, Ape Escape, maybe Ape Escape 2 as well, actually, uh, a couple of Spyro the Dragons, a Parappa, a few Wipeouts, a handful of Final Fantasies. I could go on and on and on, hmm. but I won't. There's there's one stealth series in there that I deliberately left out because we'll talk about that another time <laughs> as well. But anyway, Circle Punch thought that rather than make the lion's share of the game this time and then shop it around to publishers like they did uh, with Rocket Robot on wheels, uh, they approached Sony early on in the pro- process uh, and Circle Punch saw that console manufacturers were the ones having the best success with 3D platformers. So they saw Sony as a great fit and I guess Sony did as well. And it worked out from there. Mm. One thing I want to do each time on this podcast when I can give you the, well, the kind of meat of the game, I want to tell you as much about the sales as I possibly can. Because if we were doing a, a podcast about movies, I'd be talking about box office takes or, mm. you know, a chart position in, in uh, music, etc., etc. In games... It's difficult. They make it quite difficult for you to find out the sales Mm. of games or the budgets. But I'll do my best. And this week, uh, talking about Sly Cooper, I can tell you that according to a Game Informer interview that they did, I just need to double check the date, I think it was 2010, a Sucker Punch, somebody at Sucker Punch said that the game had sold approximately a million copies total up to that point. The critical reception of this uh, on Metacritic... Ace garnered an 86, and on game rankings, it was an 85.28. And just for for anyone keeping score, the Sly Collection uh, on Metacritic, that got an 85 on PS3, and it got an 80 on the PlayStation Vita. So there's your setup. That's Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. We're going to be back after this to discuss... The pre-orders and press, the coverage of Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus leading up to its launch. It all began when I was just a kid, bouncing on my father's knee. You see, I come from a long line of master thieves who kept all their secrets of sneaking and stealing in an ancient book. The Thievius Raccoonus. Anyone who read it learned to be especially sneaky, which is why we specialize in stealing from criminals. After all, there's no honor, no challenge, no fun stealing from ordinary people. You rip off a master criminal, and you know you're a master thief. Well, on the night I was supposed to inherit the book, five visitors came unannounced to our door. My father fought to protect us, but the gang of villains known as the Fiendish Five overpowered him and ransacked our house until they found... The Thievius Raccoonus. Our family's manual of thieving greatness fell into their filthy hands. They tore the book into five pieces and split it up, each villain disappearing to the farthest corners of the world to commit dastardly crimes. Broken alone, I was dumped at the town orphanage. There I met two guys who became my lifelong buddies and trusted crew. Bentley, techno genius and strategist supreme, and Murray, part-time driver and full-time burden. Together we pledged to track down the fiendish five, avenge my father, and steal back the thievious raccoonus. I knew I was about to face the toughest test of my life. 
On this mission, I would either become a master thief like my ancestors before me, or fail and allow my family name to bite the dust. So lads, let's talk about the marketing and the coverage that the press gave this game before it came out. One thing that I found, I was going to say fascinating, I'd be lying. <laughs> I found it mildly enjoyable. And that was a link I shared with both of you. That was the making of Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoon. So this is a video that shows up when you 100%ed the game, right? Mm. But it was also, as far as I'm aware, and my, my research tells me, it featured on an official PlayStation magazine demo disc. So, you know, it, it is sort of pre-launch in a, in a sense. It's about seven minutes, seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Mm. And it's quite a decent amount of fluff. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's in their game and it's, you know, it's, it's a fluff piece. Uh, but I did have one thing I wanted to play. Here's a clip. You're going to hear two voices. One is Brian Fleming, the producer. He's the first voice. He talks about the primary goal of the game. And the second voice you're going to hear is Chris Zimmerman. We started with the idea that we wanted to do an action game where the the primary character was a thief. The choice of a raccoon was a pretty natural fit in terms of, you know, obviously the, the mask being in place, um, being, uh, as Dev would say, a creature of the night. The original conception of uh, the Sly character uh, was a much more realistic raccoon, chubby and not quite as lithe as the character is now. And it kind of evolved as we went along. As we wanted Sly to feel really agile, we wanted him to feel like Sly could do uh, the most amazing physical feats. You want to let the player of the game feel like they're a thief. Not like a real thief, like you wish thieves were. I quite enjoy that last line because they need to make sure that you know that this is a game that children can play so we don't condone thieving. Don't be stealing stuff, all right? <laughs> yeah, I especially enjoy, uh, because, I, and this just might be me being stupid, in fact it probably is, but I, I've never really realised that raccoons do just naturally have little masks on because yeah, of their fur. Yeah, Didn't realise it, just didn't really, didn't, didn't occur to me until he said that and I thought, oh, blimey, yeah. He's right. Yeah, the, la- the lads seem pretty passionate about their raccoons. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going on about it like, you know, we wanted this raccoon to be thief of the night. Mm. I actually think that little making of is, um, it's it's pretty fun, but Jesus, it, it's quite an ass to uh, get 100% in the game and <laughs> get that. <laughs> it it yeah. is a bit, in fairness. Can I just say, I would quite like a game where you were just a regular little sort of fat raccoon fella. I think that'd be brilliant rather than a stylized one. More games where you play as regular raccoons, genius. But I'm just putting that out there. I, I've just had the the notion there, because you've, you've sparked something in me, Josh, by saying, you know, you didn't realise that raccoons had little masks. You know, we don't grow up with raccoons. You know, raccoons aren't rummaging around in our rubbish because they're just not here. So, like, I wonder, did they call it sly raccoon over here because they were worried we didn't know where the raccoon was (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe it it does feel maybe it's a north american indigenous animal right like we yeah maybe maybe so maybe so but i mean it does have raccoonus in the title so i like to think we could have put it together probably you know, yeah. if they had given us the, Trust us. Us the chance we also had before <laughs> leading up to the game's launch there was another making of 
thank God for people archiving the stuff on YouTube genuinely <laughs> uh, because there's a making of the TV adverts of Sly Cooper and the TV's Raccoonus. Now this clip uh, that I'm going to play in a second is from PlayStation Underground issue 63. Now PlayStation Underground is a thing that I wasn't familiar with up until researching for this episode of the podcast because essentially it was a Sony published magazine that was only available on disc and you put the disc into your PlayStation and it sure. ran, it ran in the, the late 90s um shutdown in in 01. I suppose, you know, it, it sounds a bit odd. Like, why would you buy a magazine and all the magazine is just in your, uh, just on a disc you put in the PlayStation. But like, you know, there's, there's a lot of outlets now with video coverage and it's so important to them. So I guess it's, yeah. it's kind of similar to that. There were three adverts in total. The adverts, uh, now when watching the the making of a uh, little featurette, uh, it, it implied that the director for all three adverts was the same man. Yes, it did. Uh, yeah. But I, I couldn't tell if it was that. But, it said, but he definitely directed one of the adverts. The director of the Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus adverts, lads, <laughs> it's, it's Doug Lyman. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Director and producer I, I, of The Born Identity. I couldn't... I, I was annoyed flabbergasted and and by the way doug sorry to cut in here doug lyman is either selling this the best he's ever sold anything or he genuinely (laughs) believes in it can i just can i just read out a quote of his can i can i because i actually have i have audio yeah let let me let me play and and we'll come back so yeah here here is uh doug lyman talking about (laughs) Um, working on the Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus TV adverts. Director Doug Lyman and the creative team from Shia Day were hard at work creating three new spots for Sony's latest action platformer, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Where we're doing these uh, Sly Cooper uh, Sony PlayStation commercials. I love video games and it's sort of an ongoing pet project of mine to try to incorporate video game themes into my filmmaking. That should work pretty well. When I made Born Identity, I tried to really put the audience in Matt Damon's shoes the way you'd be in a character's shoes in a video game. And for this particular spot, I'm working on really trying to develop a lighting style that is inspired by the lighting of video games. You know, for me, commercials are all about discipline because you need to tell a story in 22 seconds. You need to be extremely efficient with your framing, with your compositions, with your performances. That's really what draws me into doing commercials. And I feel like my filmmaking benefits from the, the discipline that I learned here on the set. So if you happen to see these spots on TV, be sure to rush out and get your copy of Sly Cooper before they all disappear. <laughs> I love that ending. Um, <laughs> But yes, Josh, um, did, did you you didn't believe Lyman there? Well, look, you know, the, the thing is, and that's exactly the thing that I wrote down. I mean, I remember uh, when they did From Russia With Love, the game in uh, for Redwood Shores, the EA one. And I remember Sean Connery really selling that and saying how he believed that video games were like, you know, a new and exciting art form and stuff. And I was like take that with a pinch of salt you know he's got to sell that but the things that Lyman was saying here I just think sorry you're making the born identity (laughs) and 
you're saying that you want me to sort of access Matt Damon's character the way I would be in a character's shoes in a video game. What are you talking? That's just not how it works. And I and like and I mean he must know that he's Doug Lyman. Put it like this: if he genuinely believes that, fair play to him. That's I mean nutty, but you know he knows more about it than I do. If he doesn't. And he's just selling it because he has to, because, I mean, the money's probably pretty good. He's selling it like nobody's business, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it it, it actually, it's it's insane that he he ends up saying, like, pretty much, like, look, I've I've done the born identity, but you know what? Commercials. (laughs) That's where it's happening. (laughs) The idea that, yeah, he says that's what helps him hone his craft. You've got to tell a story. Yeah. I do commercials to keep keep me honest in my filmmaking. (laughs) You got 22 seconds to get that framing and it's just like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of... It's just... It's such a bizarre pairing. (laughs) Like, it, it, like, and I don't think, I think if anyone was doing it, I, I just find it so funny. It just goes to show you, like, who they're getting at the time. That was mm. it. Like, the born entity was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And all that jazz, you know. But, like, like the, I, I, I watched those, um, those adverts, like, and uh, they're hilarious. Like, they, 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 <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make, it just, like, the behind the scenes, everything it shows, he's like, you know, the safe, the vault is like, yeah. Busted wide open, the bars are bent, and then you just see this little <laughs> raccoon going along, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and that, and I mean, they're great ads, and Sony's like never been shy of spending a few quid on an ad campaign, you know. But um, you know, I, I I sort of almost wish that we had a game like that as well. It sort of goes back to my idea of a game just an actual normal... like just a standard raccoon. Oh, like... Can you imagine that if we had a little yeah. fat little raccoon fella running about, and it was just a little, you know, and he was blowing holes in stuff, and I mean. That'd be incredible, but it would it, be hilarious. But you know, there you like, go. What kind of what kind of blows my mind is that like you think when they were doing these adverts that they would have maybe just put the animated version of Sly in that maybe might have been a bit more impressive. Like <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. one particular scene in one of the adverts where this like fat ass raccoon is just sitting on a train next to this <laughs> lady, and you're just like, what's going on here? And it's yeah. it's like it's over so quickly, and you're like, oh, I gotta get that game. Like, how is that going to make anyone want to play this game? So and plus, mental. also, we should say in that scene uh, when the raccoon is on the train next to the lady, I believe the raccoon's got a stick-on beard as well, which should. Yeah, go. I was wondering what he was holding. I didn't know if it was like a newspaper or something. I was like, "What's what's yeah. the raccoon holding?" <laughs> he's passing off as, as as an innocent raccoon, is what he's okay. doing, I suppose. You know, an okay. innocent bearded raccoon, but who knows? Yeah, utterly bizarre. Another bit of advertising, because again, this is 2002 in in the States, 2003, of course, for us, is in magazines themselves and adverts in magazines. And I have two to show you, lads, to get your live reactions. Uh, The first one, if you would click on it, is a single page magazine advert, which is, I think, pretty Cool, actually. Now, this is obviously an audio medium, and I will try and describe it as best as possible. (laughs) (laughs) But essentially, it is a like a museum. There is an exhibit that has been cordoned off with that uh, 
museum night museum slash nightclub rope and uh yes sly cooper there's a, a cushion there's obviously some expensive thing meant to be on the cushion but there is sly cooper's calling card because he has been here and the 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 tagline here one, one cunning devious thievious raccoonus again i have an issue with you know the thievious raccoonus is the book it, it doesn't make yeah. sense but still yeah. like in terms of building the character i think that's quite effective actually i quite like it yeah no, I think that's great. That's great. And 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 he does do that in the game. He's got his little, yep. you know, calling yeah. card thing he puts down. So fair play to him. Uh, now this it. other ad, uh, it's a double page ad. And this is very much video game advertising in the late <laughs> 2000 or the early 2000s. <laughs> so I mean, try, trying to explain this one is, is going to be tough. And, and perhaps I will we'll, we'll share images on... Uh, our social media, whatever one exists when you're listening. So it's a double page ad. ad. On your left side, you have a lady uh, who is in the shower and reaching out uh, the shower, trying to grab her towel. Her towel is gone and there is uh, Sly Cooper's calling card once again. A bit a yep. bit more blue than the, oh, yeah. the other advert and very much early 2000s it's basically action cool sex yeah it's, it's all that <laughs> funnily enough that's the that's the tagline for this podcast action cool sex yeah <laughs> why the towel what like i understand just let's do it as you said Colin, but like mm. like in the in the great they did not go well, but why would sly why would he take the towel yeah yeah sly would sly wants to sort of embarrass a random woman in our yeah. own home by you know thieving a like towel it's kind it's, of a low blow from here and all like, it, it no, is but, yeah it doesn't endear it to, in fact though yeah the ads are sort of willing to go places the game is not which is um in a weird way one of my bugbears with the game but we'll get to that later you know was was this a diamond encrusted towel because again like he, he you know, it could have been he wants <laughs> to steal expensive things and this like mm. it, it, like was this, was this just a primark towel like why are we why is he stealing the woman's towel doesn't make sense. Don't is like- this woman staying at the Hilton? Maybe. Oh, so you are saying it is an expensive towel. <laughs> okay. Maybe it is. Look, I'm trying to paint a better picture here than just yeah. Sly taking a random towel. Uh, this this advert uh, featured in Play Magazine number 12 in December 2002. So, you know, leading up to Christmas, little eight-year-old Jimmy, he saw that and all of his Christmases came true and he was like, <laughs> that's what I want under the tree for me so now that we've looked at some of the marketing let's look at the the kind of press coverage that this game was getting around the time now because we're going back quite a while a bit harder to find articles about it um essentially i found announcement uh, announcement articles and preview articles and that's kind of it there wasn't an awful lot uh, else and you're you're dealing i suppose it's ign and GameSpot, and in a lot of cases that's it or it's, it's a lot easier to find stuff on on them that yeah. goes back that far from an ign article titled sucker punches sly new platformer which is posted on the 15th of may 2002 here is a quote from uh, said article we are thrilled to have sly cooper and the thievius raccoonus as part of this year's premier playstation 2 lineup said Amy Blair director product marketing Sony Computer Entertainment America Incorporated 
she goes on to say, Soccer Punch has implemented some remarkable details into this amazing game. When Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus hit store shelves this fall, uh, consumers will experience one of the most innovative and fun action adventure games ever. Ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, 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 that's a bold claim from IGN.com. Well, I, well that, that claim isn't from IGN.com. That claim is from Amy, oh, sorry. Amy Blair, yes. Director of Product Marketing, Sony Computer Entertainment America Incorporated. And to be mm-hmm. fair, you know, Ms. Blair, she, she in the position she's in, in in May 2002, she's got to pump this game up, get people excited, get pre-orders in. Much like Doug Lyman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it, it still feels a bit over the top. Little bit. Little little bit. I have some some opinions of people at the time, some previews. So the first one is preview from E3 2002. Both of these previews are from E3 2002. But the first one from IGN, posted on the 21st of May 2002. Here is your quote from the preview. Sly takes the platform genre to new levels, so to speak, with an arsenal of moves and abilities, the most notable being his ability to climb just about anywhere. Raccoons, this is amazing by the way, raccoons in real life are notorious thieves and most people like raccoons as long as they're not stealing directly from their refrigerators. So when you first see Sly, he's very likeable, not a dirty, nasty freak. (laughs) Uh, And there's another quote here from the article there will be the standard collecting and head bashing to be sure but Sucker Punch also has infused the game with a tremendous amount of sneaking exploring and stealth inspired aspects to broaden and individualise it dirty nasty freaks <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take their word for it I mean you know I'd, I'd, again and this is the, the Atlantic divide I, I, stealing directly from people's refrigerators I'll take their word on it that's what they do I don't have that connotation but you know fair enough to them um, I don't know about a tremendous amount of sneaking you know I mm. think that's that's a bit generous but we'll, yeah I suppose we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that But and uh, the, yeah. the GameSpot preview Uh, posted May 22nd, 2002. The quote reads, The game blends the hop-happy conventions of 3D platformers with the hide-and-sneak mechanics of games like Metal Gear Solid, and the results so far seem pretty pleasant. Now, I don't know how in both the previews, I'm guessing they played the same. Um, I don't know how much of the game they played, but... I think that that little quote is probably more akin to at least my thoughts on the game, but yeah, pretty pretty pleasant. Yeah. Uh, again, I want to know more about these refrigerator stealing raccoons, these dirty nasty freaks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Definitely. that's what other people thought about it. That's where it was. That's where the game was before it came out. But now it is time for us to talk about the game itself. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and review Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Let's get into it. Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Before we talk about our opinions on the game, I want to get your knowledge of the game before you played it for this podcast. So, Adam, had you actually played the game before? Uh, Yes, not, but just only on the, the, the trilogy. Like, I didn't play it back in the day on the PS2. Uh, so it would have been about 2011. Trilogy was released. Um, looked at my trophies. I had 8% and I do, I do remember stopping the game because of the camera. I remember not liking the camera at the time. It was an issue. But then 
re replay it this time around, I feel like I played a completely different game because like I can remember the opening level back then, but then I felt like when I was playing it again this time around, I was like, this is not the opening. I felt like I played like a different slide or something. It's like I must have played like two or something that by mistake. But um, yeah, uh, that is my kind of little brief uh, history of the, the game of that point anyway. Yeah, 2011. Like you, I played it via the Sly collection. Uh, I didn't play it when it came out yeah. on PlayStation 2. And I, I do remember playing it, but I checked my PlayStation trophies and it says that I uh, first played the game on the 26th of December, 2010. So I'm Aww. guessing either I bought it for myself for Christmas or mm -hmm. maybe a girlfriend at the time bought it for me because I would have been 20. Like, I mean, can you get me the game about the raccoon, please? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 pl I played through the whole of the first game way back when, again, on the Sly Collection. Like, were you able to remember a lot of the game going back to it? Not, uh, yeah, bits and pieces, to be honest. What about you, Josh? Had you played it before? I'd never, I'd never played it, and I didn't even. I never had... Uh, to my great shame, I never had a PlayStation 3 uh, either. So it was, uh, I missed out on it back in the day. Um, I think it was always one of those things where like I'd, I'd already played Jack and Daxter and like really loved it. And then I played Ratchet and Clank and really loved that. And it was just like one sort of mascot platformer too far for me, especially like that Sony just smashed that genre to smithereens uh, back then. And I just kind of let it pass me by. I always th thought it looked cool. I remember, you know, the sort of cell shading thing. I always thought, oh, it looks a bit stylish. But just kind of let it go. And mm. uh, and until now, I was kind of was perfectly fine with letting it go. I was aware of its existence. But yeah, until now, never played it. So there will be some people at home who didn't play the game before listening to this podcast. Uh, I'd recommend it. You get a bit more out of it. However, we are still trying to paint a picture as best as we can. And for those of you that didn't play the game... Uh, let me try and explain uh, how this works. I mean, I will probably overcomplicate things, but let me try anyway. <laughs> so, Sly Cooper and the Thieves Raccoonus, it is a 3D stealth platformer that is split up into four separate hub worlds and then one final game world that is comprised of levels that must be played in a particular order. Each of the first four hub worlds have seven levels you can play in any order of your choosing, kind of more or less because each hub world is split into two chunks of other it doesn't matter anyway you finish those <laughs> levels right and then you take on that area's boss while most levels will see you playing as Sly in standard noughties early noughties 3D platformer fair you know you jump on things you whack enemies with your hurting stick you collect glowy things some levels also have you trying to best others in a race where you're behind the wheel of a car. Some levels have you covering another character from a vantage point with a weapon. You're basically Hitman Sniper um, contracts. Uh, and there's one where you must collect chickens within a certain time period. And then there's one where you're shooting crabs in a submarine type thing. And I don't know, there are other things. That, uh, <laughs> a, few, a few like that. But yeah, is, is that, yeah. are you with me? Is that... Kind of That's in, fair. basically. Yeah. That's the game. Yeah. I think you've I think you've nailed it. Yeah. So how we're gonna talk about this is we're gonna split up basically we're gonna talk about the stealth, then we're gonna talk about the boom boom, then we're gonna talk about the story and other things. Uh so firstly, 
let us talk about the stealth and how that works. Because I think throughout some comments have been made, ironically, some sly comments, I would say. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Josh Wise. (laughs) So go on, talk to me. What what did you think of the the stealth in Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus? It's, well... Uh, it's what's you know what stealth really? I I mean, I it, there's a little bit of stealth. It's it's got a little a little sprinkling of stealth, I'd say. But it's it's my sort of thing was it wears stealth clothes, you know. But it's actually just another one of them platformers. It's kind of like you're jumping over lasers, and lasers, you know, were in the film Entrapment, you know, and, 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 and many films. And, and it's sort of, you know, synonymous with thieving, usually jewels or whatever. But it's like, yeah, but, you know, it may as well be a crocodile because the thing is I just got to jump over it, you know, or, or whatever. It's basically like it's a platformer, but you're sort of telling me like, oh, well, yeah, but he's a thief though and he's a raccoon and the animations of him walking are kind of sneaky. And it's like, yeah, but... I'm actually just that now there are now to be fair to it, like there are little bits here and there, like it sort of pinches the, uh, the bit from the legend of Zelda, the wind waker where you, you can hide in a barrel and then the enemies have the, the searchlight and you can walk in the barrel and you have to stop when they shine the searchlight on you. So that's kind of cool. Uh, but then I found that, you know, whenever they do that, it's like, yeah, but the goal is kind of to get up to the guy and then whack him with your thing. You know, rarely is it, it's just kind of a way of approaching without being killed. The ones I like the most are probably where you have to sort of slink along the wall. You have to kind of like press up against the wall. And if they do that, but then they make it so I've got a dodge, like a searchlight that shines on it, that kind of makes me feel a little stealthy. But yeah, the overall thing was, I think Sucker Punch was a bit sly, because uh, it was a bit like, we made a platformer, really, but by Christ, we, 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 you know, we, we put, we put it in stealth clothing, I guess. Is that, is that, is that a little unfair? Well, I, I think I'm going to be on a bit of an island. So I do want to, while we're, we're kicking the game a little bit, I think Adam, your opinions fall in line with Josh's. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Like, you know, if someone approached me and said, Pah. That's like game. Um, it was a challenging stealth one, wasn't it? I'd be a bit like, hang on, no, lad. <laughs> I'd be like, Jesus. Like, it's it's extremely loose in the stealth. I think the most it ever shows off that it feels like it's going to be this is in its opening level in Paris. That's where, like, I think you like you have like the like the whole thing of like the the music, the the kind of general theme of it all, it all is more strong of a stealth kind of vibe within the first, like, half an hour of the game, I think. After that, it is straight up platforming. Um, But they keep kind of, they keep kind of trying to remind you that, but you know, like, even though you're not, like, properly stealthy, don't forget, though, he is a thief. You're like, (laughs) Bentley and everything, he, he keeps saying these things like, press circle for, like, super sneaky thief moves and all these kind of lines, you know? Um, and like, there's, there's small bits of, uh, kind of like scaling the walls and things like that. But deep down, that's, that's as, that's as far as it goes. Like, I think with, like the first enemy you come across, um, in the game, 
is like he's to your left and he's on this like little platform. And you're kind of like, well, I have to go to the right. But what are you doing? What's over here? And I was kind of like, all right, I'll run away over. And you're just right there in front of every enemy and they don't come near you. Like some of them might like try and shoot a thing or jump at you. But other than that, like you're not setting off a major alarm and things like they They do bring these kind of things in with the alarms, with lasers and stuff like that. But it's nothing too strenuous or anything like that. And like deep down, it's, 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 it is just all mainly platforming. But we'll get to that kind of stuff side of it it's it's a pro in its platforming in my opinion I think the two of you are being a little harsh really yeah I do because and I, I want to talk about the lasers and all that I, I'm going to go into that more in depth in in a minute but I do think that it's it isn't just about avoiding the lines of sight uh, sights of guards I know what you're saying Josh oh it's like jumping over a crocodile whatever um, but I still really enjoyed those laser sections because uh, Essentially, how it works is there are beams that you have to avoid. Again, entrapment. Catherine Zeta-Jones, loving it. Um, and the first time, like, you have to jump over these beams or avoid them. However, first time a beam hits you, or a spotlight as well, an alarm goes off. Now, the, the alarm doesn't mean that enemies come. It's not Metal Gear Solid or whatever. Enemies don't come <laughs> rushing in. But it, it's essentially the second time a beam hits, hits you, you're set on fire. And mm. that danger for me was enough to create tension in those moments and to have you genuinely really trying to avoid all of those laser beams. And I suppose like uh, the stealth revolves around progression and movement because, and, and it makes sense, it's a 3D platformer. It's about pinning yourself against a wall and moving along an edge. Uh, or it is about going into cover for a short space of time and then making, you know, making a go of again, progressing. You're going from A to B constantly. Because, mm. and that's what it is. The game, it never wants you to be bored. And I do think that it suffers a little bit for that. There's this fear of having you wait. And the game never wants to have you waiting because it's afraid you're going to go, what? Oh, this this is uh, I'm having such a terrible time here. This isn't fun. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it back into the shop. But but to your to your point, Adam, about like that first section, like I love that opening. Oh, it's a great opening. It is. It is really good. It's so spy movie, so Bond. Yeah. And I mean, mm, I'm yeah. not even you know a big massive Bond fan. Josh is obviously a massive Bond fan. <laughs> so I mean, to the point where I would. I mean. I, I agree with you both. Like, uh, I, I didn't put this down just because I thought it'd be too cheeky to put it down. Um, but, you know, almost to the, almost it becomes a problem how good that opening is because it's like, it, you know, it's like, oh, this is, you know, it, I mean, in a way, it is my favourite level in the game. I didn't put that down, but it is my, you know, that's the promise that was kind of in the adverts. It's like, well, it's Paris and, yeah, you, and oh, and I tell you, it was really cool. They drop you into the station and Bentley's like, oh, um, you know, Carmelita's office has, a, has like a red door and you actually, you're creeping around the, you know, the police looking headquarters. Looking for a red I mean, door. Looking for a red dot. There's no guards there. There's no actual stealth going on. But but I, I, I'm a believer in what you were saying, Cullum, about vibes. And that's got it in spades. Uh, and it's such a shame because then, and, and obviously at the end of the level, you then leap into a van, which is brilliant, obviously. And then the van just, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, never again, though. 
you know, n- never yeah. again because then we're off to mm. cookie cutter platformer land where it's lava and yeah. it's, you know, and it's like, oh man, get me back in Paris. Like, you know. It's just dark. And a lot of the game, in fairness, is dark. And I w- I'll, I'll maybe talk about that later on. Like, mm. it, whilst it is a cartoony platformer, it's not, you know, massive, like bright colours. And I think it, it benefits because of that. Like, it is you know, silhouettes a bit, like a bit darker, but especially in that opening area. Yeah. I, I thought even War, it's, as well as Bond, like War, it's Metal Gear Solid influence there as well, with like Bentley being your Roy Campbell, <laughs> having the scope, like the bin- Binocucom yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It, fe- fe- it all feels very stealth, very spy, very Bond, very um, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I, I really like that. But I, I totally get what you're saying though, Josh. Mm. After that, I can see you going like, Oh, the, yeah, the promise was was there. There's, there's just like, I, I, th- I really felt like there's just missed opportunities in in terms of what they could have added in its gameplay. Like, so if you go back to the lasers when you're doing that whole entrapment thing, like you, you kind of go through that kind of thing, I think maybe two or three times at least anyway, right? Mm. And I think like it's maybe the third one. It's kind of like, it's, oh, it's getting a bit challenging. You know, you, now you have to jump onto the platforms and go down. And that's fine and all, but, and it, it, it still is kind of fun, but I would have liked to have seen him, like, I don't know, incor- incorporate, like, a, a wire, and you're, you're kind of going down, to, and they're moving, you're timing it, or even down to, like, like, there's a ton of, like, safes throughout the game, and you, you have to collect, like, um... Clue bottles, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm. Clue bottles, that's it. And once you get all of them, you go back to that safe, and boom, you get something, little, kind of a bonus <laughs> thing. Like, I would have rather had a situation where they were almost like little mini games where you actually had to crack them with an accessory and listen to the song. Like what we have yeah. in a lot of like those kind of things now in games. Like, because they they could have been little mini games in its own way because the mini games, even though they're fun, they make hold, no hold sense. On. You're, 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 jumping, you're jumping the gun. You're jumping the gun because I want to talk about them. But the, like, and, and this is something that we will run into. And I, I think it's important that, you know, we set our stall out early. We are looking at these games with 2022 eyes. There is no, or 2023 eyes. For sure. And there is no way around that. But, and I'm not saying to like give some games a pass. Like there are certain things that you can forgive and certain things that you can forgive. Like, sure. if you, I don't know, like if you're expecting a sort of a Skyrim lockpick thing, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think that's a bit unfair. Not, not, to, that, not to that degree. Like it, it, could, it could still be like extremely lighthearted, but like just to add to the overall like aesthetic, like even like they they tease you with the whole like lightly pushing the analog and he does that sneak walk okay how mm. like when you you do you can start doing that little walk thing as soon as you take control and it blew my mind when I finished the game I was like how did we not have a self like silent kind of level where you oh, had yeah. to do that walk mm. yeah like, how do we not have that like that goes back to Colin, like, like the, the that whole sheepdog and wolf thing mm. that's what you do you know, you'd, you'd, you'd walk in your tippy toes and it would have been kind of like an interesting thing. But like it's it, when we get on to the to the the whole action side of it, it's it's like a totally different game. There's just some very missed opportunities in in the overall stealth, I felt. Kind of connected to w- what we're going to talk about in a second. But before we do, I was I just did want to say that I was a bit disappointed by how by, by the split 
in the special abilities that you collect. Um, mm. You made reference to it there, Adam. In each level, you collect uh, t- between 20 and 40 different bottles just scattered about different places. And if you collect all of them, then you go to a, a safe that's somewhere in the level and Bentley will go, type in six, seven, four. And you're like, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> These boys. Um, we, 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 there's plenty of time to discuss that too. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a, like, not something, like, th- that was one thing I enjoyed. Like, it isn't just, you know, uh, whatever, you get something to, uh, it's something entirely superfluous. Like they are something that uh, allows you to, you know, control slide differently. However, I found a lot of them completely pointless and the oh, most, yeah. most of them revolve around agility and movement rather, rather than stealth. The, the circle button is busy. Yeah. Oh, it's doing a lot. <laughs> I, I don't it's mind that. I don't mind that though. Like it, it's, yeah. yeah, your inputs obviously aren't great, but like this guy, he is incredible. Um, <laughs> but uh, like those abilities I mentioned, like they are optional. But if, even if you take the um, plot pivotal ones that you're going to get throughout when you collect or when you defeat bosses, you'll get new moves. The majority mm. of them are movement based. In fact, there's only one, I think, that isn't. And that's the invisibility power. That's yeah, the, the invisibility. P- pure stealth ability. Mm. And I really like that. And I was like, oh, I'd, I'd love it if there were more. I, I, like, I don't know how my, many of the, the side um, clue bottle vault saves you did, but there was one where you get a decoy ability. Yeah. But I fu- never used it. It's, very, it's, <laughs> it's unreal slow. It's unbelievably slow. It's basically, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, as it suggests, you can throw a decoy of yourself out in front of you and then guards will be attracted to, to that. But it, mm. that's way too slow. And also, all, all you talk about circle working overtime, all those abilities are tied to the triangle button, or a lot of them are. Those kind of mm. ones you get through the safe. And because it was so awkward to, like, I don't know, if let's say you had eight to ten of them. You're just cycling through to find the one you want. And something like a radial <laughs> wheel would have been really nice. Oof, yeah. Talk about bloody 2022, 23 eyes. Well, know, I, yeah. I, I... Actually, yeah, no, to be fair, a radial. <laughs> Possible back then. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the year that Ratchet and Clank came out. Yeah, no, it's true. It's not evenly split between stealth and platformer or even the... And look, let's just get on to it, I suppose. Uh, Because now that we've discussed the stealth, let's discuss the boom boom. Because, yeah, it's not just all about sneaking here on this podcast. So now we're going to talk about the shooting, the murdering, the explosions and the jumping as well. That's quite quite important. Adam, you wanted to talk about... You liked the jumping. Jumping you enjoyed. I, I love a good old jump. Um, like I thought that what the game was actually doing was for the most part very fun very kind of straightforward simple and quick like it just like the levels are so short and you're kind of just when when you kind of go alright I can just go through at this speed and you kind of know the when you see the little sparkly bits in the level that you're supposed to like grab onto or whatever or sneak around like all that's all that's really fun. I think it it, it still to this day. I think it, it the it responds pretty well. Like I don't think it feels that dated, um, but like not challenging, not challenging. Bar like 
the end of the game, the last boss thing, but that's just jumping ahead a small bit. But like, do you know, like it was, it's very like, I think all the enemies are like, they're one hit. Like it's just, you mm. just go bang. That's it. There's no challenge to absolutely any enemy. I, I did not find at all. You, you say the enemies are one hit, but in fairness, so are you. That's true. The the first game I thought of when I played it, and maybe this is because I grew up more with the game I'm about, I'm about to mention than this, the Sly series, but I thought about Crash Bandicoot because you don't have a health bar. It is essentially yeah. like you are it, one hit and you're dead unless you get a horseshoe, aka in Crash Bandicoot, a mask. You know, like it, it's the same. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. Crash, crash is crash is definitely more punishing, though. Oh yeah, I, th- I think so. Probably in its platforming. If yeah. you're going to compare crash and slow, like in terms of like the one hit thing, like crash is a different beast altogether. I think that's mm. probably fair. Yeah, that is that is probably fair. But I know what you mean. Like it, the one, like I, I, I don't like. I feel like if the game was a little bit more challenging, that I would have noticed the. The one hit thing with Sly a lot more. I I mentioned this a while ago, but uh, so I I won't go too in depth again. But I I just really enjoy how impossibly acrobatic Sly Cooper is, uh, and yeah. and it all revolving around two buttons. And I can see <laughs> if somebody wouldn't. But you're doing Cirque du Soleil style stuff here. Yeah, you're pressing you're pressing two buttons. And sometimes I enjoy that. Like this is totally unrelated. We're obviously never going to talk about this game. But do you remember Dragon Ball Fighters or Dragon Ball Fighters Z or Z? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. It was the most simplistic fighting game where you would press like, <laughs> I don't know, the, the left bumper or the right bumper or maybe both of them at the same time. And like Goku would go mental. The screen would explode. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially. And there's similar type of feeling from Sly and how Mm. you can interact with the world. Just makes it kind of enjoyable. But speaking of enjoying things, I know Josh Wise, you enjoyed a lot of the mini games that I mentioned earlier. So when you say mini games, you obviously mean the levels in the hub worlds that are not platforming levels where you're playing a Sly Cooper. I, I always loved that. It was they did it really well in Jack and Daxter and they did it really well in Crash Bandicoot. It's the it's the set piece. It's the one shot level. It's the we kind of know that you you're getting uh, maybe you're not necessarily getting bored but you're in danger possibly of getting bored in the next 10 minutes. Let's throw them a little curveball. And it, you know in Crash Bandicoot it was like well you you know you leap onto the back of the pig. It was those ones when he sort of runs through. And in 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 Sly, I think they I think they do a good job. I think they do a good job. It was um you've got the the race which I found surprisingly fun and quite tough. Uh Oh, very tough. Yeah. That was the first that was the first <laughs> time I went oh my god this game has gotten very difficult all of a sudden it's a bit brutal isn't it yeah uh, oh man it, it was, was very tough <laughs> but quite good handling on the little on the little uh, you know car I sort of you know yeah, once you sort yeah, of know, when you, know, you, get, when you get used to us yeah yeah, yeah. And it's got uh, there's one where you're Bentley and you're doing hacking and the hacking is represented by Bentley in a kind of Tron style cyberspace and he's it's basically just a twin stick shooter and there are a number of levels where it's just a twin stick shooter really um but yeah, I absolutely love those because because the thing is, each main uh, hub, it's like you got to get a certain number of keys to get to the next thing. It's that it's that classic thing, you know. Jack and Daxter, it was the precursor orbs, and you know Ratchet and Clank, it was uh, whatever it was. And here, it's like 
maybe you don't want to get, you know, there, there are seven keys. Maybe for two or three of them, people would like a little break. And I was just pretty much always, always grateful for that. Twin stick shooter, good. The racing was good. Hacking, it's all, it's all good stuff. I'm Because the thing is, I, I, I kind of was, you know, I was getting a little fatigued with the platforming after three or four levels. It was nice to have a break. Um, and as those kinds of set piece levels go, these ones were pretty decent. Fair play to Sucker Punch. Do you know, there was... There was one in particular that drove me insane as well. Uh, you had to collect. Oh, what was it? It was like th- they, you had like two minutes to. Oh, the computers su- where you have to hoover up the computers and there's the slugs. That are- oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like that was so frustrating. And then um, I, you actually highlighted there. I actually think we don't give enough credit to this one, but you, you said it there while you got the Bentley one where it turns into like the twin six shooter kind of thing. Mm. That kind of actually like blew my mind when it started. I was like, whoa, what's this? It was... <laughs> That was also pretty challenging as well, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the mini games were actually very tough. Now they, they, were tough. Was, they were. They, they um, were probably the best. Well, the, the the most challenging in the game, right? Yeah. Do you I know think? what ones were chronic though? Um, it was the one where uh, you were basically escorting. Is it oh, Murray? Oh yeah, the shooty bits were the shooty ones. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. going out, and he's just waving at you, and he's just like making a hames of everything. You're like, come on, man. Yeah. And like, if you if you did not succeed you're going right back to the start and it was just like oh that's God, brutal mighty. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. very much but so. they were fun they were fun mm, yeah no they were they were yeah overall fair, fair enough to the mini games it was the best boom boom in it for me how does it feel being wrong is what i have to say because all i could think whenever one of these popped up not initially, like, I, you know, I, I, I have no problem with uh, variety and, you know, something a bit different, it's a bit cool, mm. but my God, they included so many of these <laughs> and, and the only reason I have for it is it is the early noughties and it's a platform, it's a 3D platformer and that's what <laughs> yeah. we do. As, as you made reference to, like, uh, yeah, Crash Bandicoot hopping on the polar bear or the pig mm. or whatever. And even yeah. I thought the game had great restraint and wasn't going to do a Crash Bandicoot running towards the camera sequence. But there is mm. in Haiti uh, where, do you remember the, the oh, sea creature? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that because I've even said it, I enjoyed the platforming so much in this. Because it is a bit complex and there's verticality in levels. And it was even referenced yeah, yeah. in one of the previews, uh, I think it was the IGN preview, about, you know, the climbing, uh, you know, like the, the pipes you find, you can climb up them, you can swing mm. off of little uh, uh, things hanging from the ceiling. Like th- there is quite a lot you can do. Yes, again, revolves around two buttons, but there's a lot you can do with Sly. And then it would just be here... Yeah, protect your annoying pig friend or whatever he is, a hippo. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> so frustrating. Murray hippo, yeah. It, yeah. it bogged me to no end. It really it's a good, did. It's a good point. Like, the, they're actually, the verticality and the and the general level design, we, we sort of should, should definitely land on that because they did some really interesting stuff with... Sly's move set. It's true. I do feel like the yeah you know, the design of the levels is definitely worthy of praise. Like another thing about those mini game challenge one shot levels is that well one they you know they do repeat just maybe in a different environment. Yeah. As the game progresses, 
more of them are included in each hub world. Mm-hmm. So the, <laughs> the, the first world yeah. has one, I, I should have made note of them. I thought, I thought it did actually, but like the first world has one. I think the second one has two. I think they might even go up in increments of like three or uh, increments of one each time. Um, yeah. And, and part of me is like, are you doing this because you're running out of ideas for like, I don't want to be that guy, but like, are you, but I will be, um, but are, are you running out of ideas for, you know, pure 3d platforming levels or mm. is it, you're just going, no, we bloody love those sitting at a vantage point, protecting Murray levels. Uh, there needs to be more of those. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a good point. I think I'll pro- uh, perhaps I, I think I enjoyed the uh, platforming a bit less than you. I think yeah. it in my head, it's, um, you know, Sony, pla- I, I think Jack and Daxter probably did it a bit better. I think this is probably maybe on a par with Ratchet and Clank because Ratchet and Clank lent a lot on its on its boom boom on its guns. Um, so maybe it was that. Maybe I think you enjoyed the platforming perhaps a little bit more. So I, I was glad for the break, but I agree those those ones where you have to co- you have to cover Murray uh, are are a little bit shite. But um, oh, they're terrible. Yeah. They are they are bad. And there's one where you cover Sly. I think when you play Correct. as Carmelita. So, but yeah, they're they're not great. You had, uh, or something that you didn't think was too great, Adam, uh, were the boss fights. You didn't, or, or is it, or is it not necessarily that you didn't like them? You just didn't find them challenging. Yeah, I didn't think they were like that. Like it, it wasn't that. Yeah, it, they just weren't that challenging, which is fine. I'm not expecting for it at that stage, you know. But you're kind of like, okay, that's fine. Like in terms of like what they they actually do, like the fights themselves. I didn't think they were too bad. I didn't think they were like crazy memorable or anything like that. But, you know, they weren't the worst thing I've ever experienced. Uh, <laughs> randomly enough, right, there's like, like th- there's there's one particular um, uh, boss called Miss Ruby, if you remember. I mean, right? are, like, are, this are, where... are we getting on to Miss Ruby now? <laughs> <laughs> or do we do we leave it off? Talk about specifically the boss fight because I want to talk about her as a character later. But yeah, specifically the boss fight. I I do want to point out, Adam, before you go on. And I, 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 sorry, I should have said this off the top. I played this game on my PC via the PlayStation Plus app. Yes. So Mm. it was the Sly Collection. You did the same, Adam, didn't you? But just on PlayStation 5. Yes. Are we getting to the same point? Uh, Probably. And Josh, you played Sly Raccoon. In fact, you played the PlayStation 2 version of Sly Raccoon. Is that right? No, I, play, I played it on my Vita. Oh, you played the uh, Vita? So, okay, okay. Yeah, so so I think that was a sort of version of the PS3 Fancy okay. Pants one. Yeah. Oh, so I may, we all had this issue. So go on, Adam. Yeah, yeah. So this is the thing. Like, it's just one of those, like, where where I'm going on about the creative side of it, where you have, you have Miss Ruby, and what it basically is, it's literally Power Rapper the Rapper, if you put it that way, and... <laughs> You got her throwing these shapes at you, the the button inputs, whatever, and you're supposed to do it at the right time with the music. However, when I was playing it, I was like, I'm I'm absolutely not nailing this. Like what what is happening? <laughs> what is going on with this part of the game? 
And it was like weirdly, it weirdly slowed down at one stage. I don't know if that was intentional, but it was like, this has gone so slow now all of a sudden and I don't know what's happening. But I found out <laughs> after, because I had to look this up, that apparently this particular boss fight is a bit of a nightmare on this current like trilogy mm-hmm. that we have all played it on. Huh. Because on this trilogy, the the fight itself, the music is is remixed and actually out of sync. Yeah. Which makes it harder for some crazy like, reason. Like you. I was like, what's going I'm do- I'm doing it in time. What's the problem? Oh man, it was, it's so weird. And I was like, this can't be like because everything up to this point within the game is it's pretty tight. Do you know, like mm. the platforming is pretty tight, but this was so unbelievably off. Which is kind of going that none of us have actually played the game on its original like uh, uh yeah. console. Because yeah. I'd be very keen to know. But yeah, it's apparently one of those things, which is so strange that like it hasn't been like, I don't know, patched or anything like that, you know, just a really, really weird thing. It, it is worth pointing out that the the collection that we played, it is very, it's very much like the original. Like even if you look, it, it holds up, it's art style holds up quite well. Even just if you look at PlayStation 2 videos of it, it's a slightly shinier version. The Ms. Ruby thing is is the most notable difference, really, um, between the PlayStation yeah. 2 version and the PlayStation 3 slash Vita version. I know there is another boss you want to talk about, Adam, but I know Josh also wants to talk about that. So I'm going to have Josh speak about it first because that's what we thought about the boom boom. But now let's talk about what we found to be our favourite or maybe least favourite but either way, the most noteworthy uh, mission or level in the game. So Josh, talk to me. What what did you think, he says, knowing full well, because he just mentioned that he knows what it is. Uh, what did you find to be your, your favourite mission level or area? Well, my, I know I just kind of sneakily said it earlier, uh, and it's a non-answer, but I would say Paris, but... That's not re- that's cheating because it's not really a you know it's a very short thing. My 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 favorite sort of overall thing the the general I think it's the hub let's call it uh, was episode five which is the called the cold heart of hate, um, and basically it's the final episode and it's comprised all of it is is just the mini games uh, apart from um, I think two. Uh, of, of of the individual levels, the the two that sort of stood out to me um, in that hub were a daring rescue and uh, and another one called sinking peril. Um, for me, sinking peril was really really good because you have to climb a structure as Sly, and uh, as you're doing that, you're you're in a kind of volcano and the lava is rising, and. I think it was the best platforming in the game, uh, to be honest, because it actually, you had time pressure. You had to, it sort of really sort of frazzled your nerves, um, which gave it a good bit of challenge, which I think it kind of needed. But you also felt good doing it because you're right. Like Sly is a a versatile little raccoon. Um, And so you felt, oh, you know, I'm hopping from point to point or I'm sort of snaking my way up a, you know, up up, up a kind of drain pipe. But um, I love I love the way that it actually felt like a heist. Uh, that 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 
I mean, with m- maybe with the exception of the actual final boss fight, which which uh, is is slightly a different thing. But it felt like, oh, I'm doing the bit with with Bentley, and he's hacking to get mm-hmm. Sly out of a room. You know, oh, you know, I'm doing the bit with Murray, and he's uh, doing whatever he was doing, killing some slugs or whatever. You know, <laughs> it kind of felt like, oh, all the characters are actually coming together. They're each doing their bit. There's two bits of platforming and then the rest of the little mini games. And it just sort of felt like the nicest balance for me. And, the, and you know, there's just that sort of Ocean's Eleven feeling of, you know, yep. that they're each, they're each doing their bit. And, you know, but I will say, uh, I don't know if you, uh, if, if you chaps also felt the same thing, but that the actual, the final boss um, with the, uh, cl- is it clockwork? Clock, clockwork, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was some bullshit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Did, did you go... <laughs> I'm glad that you guys, because that was in that was rubbish. I mean, that was insane, really. So it, I, it, I was I was going to ask because you had obviously uh, the, the episode five, the final uh, mm-hmm. episode, and like you, I too thought that whilst I didn't like the content as much as you, like because I just didn't warm to those mini mm-hmm. games. I do mm-hmm. agree with you, and I know the level you're describing, um, Sinking Peril, that is mm-hmm. very enjoyable. You're climbing mm-hmm. up structures, you're avoiding these, uh, I don't know what you call them. but Zappy. Yeah, they're, they're, they're giving out electric shocks. But that final boss is atrocious. <laughs> oh, atrocious. so bad. So bad. It's an on-rails shooty bit that's like a rubbish Panzer Dragoon. But one of the things, there are a few things that are shit about it. One of them is that the collision detection is absolutely bonkers. And at one point he sort of fires rings at you that you have to fly through. And I was definitely flying through the ring, but... It, yeah. The ring, it just it just hit Sly on his little jetpack and he died. And I found out that actually, if you put the crosshair in in the circle, you'll be fine. No matter no matter what Sly looks like, oh. if you put the crosshair in the circle, that's the way to do it. It just wins every time. It's really weird. Um, and I had loads of trouble shooting the owl fella's wing. I couldn't. He had like one bit where he. And also, by the way, I know this is it's not it's not that relevant. What's what's going on with I I thought there'd be a little sort of withered little owl fella inside the robot, but actually it it was just a, a, a robe. And this was a sort of problem with the story. I was going, hang on a minute. So his ancestors were murdered by an actual robot. It reminded me of Songbird from Bioshock Infinite or something. I was like, well, well what is it then? Yeah, like what's What's going on? Did you guys understand what was going on? It, it's it's a robot owl that has haunted right. the Cooper family <laughs> for generations, for many gen- like hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah, because because but and Sly questions whether how he's whether or not he's aged and stuff. He's like he's like oh so you so you so it's literally you that murdered my and so I'm like oh okay Sly doesn't know that. I mean, why would it age? It's a robot owl. I, I, I didn't. I was very confused and just thought, okay, all right, fine. He's a robot owl, and that's what happened. And and uh, and he didn't do the job very well. In fact, Sly even says to him, "Why didn't you kill me when mm. I was a baby?" Because you, it's quite dark, mm. isn't it? Actually, it is, it is. despite <laughs> let's yeah, let's let's talk about the story in a in a minute because yeah, I know. Sorry, I jumped the gun a bit. <laughs> I, I know, Adam. You whilst you didn't like the final boss. Uh, you were mm-hmm. a fan of 
the second world, the second episode, and specifically uh, one one level in there in mugshots, dog casino based levels. Yeah, uh, Boneyard Casino it was called. Um, it wasn't really like, there's not really like much to majorly report about this particular mission. I think it was more just like the overall style. And I think it was right here then I was like, I really like how this game just looks. I just think like, like the cell shading thing really does work. I think it holds up pretty well. Um, and this kind of one with the, the casino just, it was, it was a lot of fun. And like, there was like the, like the kind of big casino spinning wheels and stuff that you would kind of jump on these pads on and things like, it was just a nice little touch. I thought like, um, it, 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 it was quite similar to, um, the, like the, the cunning disguise level, which was as Josh talked about earlier on about the barrels. Like there wasn't, there was only a handful of those kind of missions that like, I felt like the other levels then kind of overall were just kind of like nice little platformer things. But um, yeah, Boneyard Casino, but I just have to also just echo that last, that last boss one more time because like I honestly did think Clockwork was atrocious and it was atrocious for one reason really for me. And it was um, like, yeah, you got the, the, the first kind of, battle going through the rings and stuff and there's like two waves of that or whatever it was the it was the last part right like this is where the whole like you die with one hit this is where the frustration like I was like gonna explode at one stage right because it's all done like in a kind of a a kind of a time frame you have to move quickly avoid all this stuff but what was getting me every goddamn time because I didn't have enough time to figure it out and I was panicking and rushing and jumping all over the place just before you reach clockwork it was that little little bit just before you get on the platform where you basically have to like you're on a pole upside down and then you're kind of like going through I could not for the life of me figure out where I was supposed to jump just before there I was like oh my Jesus Christ, I actually have to just <laughs> grab the pole and just go from underneath. And like, every time you died there, you had to start the whole thing from the start again. Mm. And like, do you know when you get so frustrated with like, something like this and then like, you're just making mistake after mistake. Like, I couldn't get through like the rings any, like at all. Like at one stage, I was like, I'm just dying constantly. This is, so I actually had to go away for like a half hour, have a cup of tea, Come back. I was relaxed and I got through That is classic. You start failing at the bit where you've had no trouble with over the last hour. Yeah. But it was just such a, like, it was such a poor design overall, as yeah. we've said already. But, you know, like, that was just my biggest hate of a level. But, like, Boneyard Casino was very, very fun. And and just to stick the boot in a little bit more, have we said you're wearing a jetpack? You're on a jetpack while while this is happening. <laughs> yeah, and it is the only they introduce jetpacks, and that's it because it's the last last yeah. level. So it, it's so if if you're playing it for the first time, you're like, what? Why is this happening <laughs> now? Like, surely you know, a, a, an end of level boss is more like what you described, Josh, in. Um, what was it called? Sinking Peril. It's towards the end of the game. Now put everything you've learned together. Whereas, yes. whereas yeah. this, it was like, here's, here's the final boss. Uh, we're going to introduce something entirely new. They also like do this like insanely odd thing where like, okay, so like 
you're on the jetpack flying around and you have to shoot what highlights like the part in his body is like electrocuted and you have to shoot that part mm-hmm. so like if you remember then right I think it's like the second wave of it he turns yeah like he turns to the side but you have to shoot his right wing and it's just going and it's so awkward it's yeah. like why is this the only one like every <laughs> other part of his body you have to hit is pretty straightforward yeah, yeah. the most difficult thing is getting through the rings but this particular when he goes to the side the right wing is just like this is just catastrophic like it's just like so so frustrating yeah mm. really really poor so in short loved Boneyard Casino <laughs> yes in short I love Boneyard but I, I had I knew when I was going to this I was like okay I'll say I like Boneyard Casino but I just want to spend my time and say how much I hate that work <laughs> uh, the, the area I loved or the levels I loved came in episode 4 titled Fire in the Sky and it's the the China area but specifically two two levels in that are the Unseen Foe and Flaming Temple of Flame. The Unseen Foe is the one that I kind of focus on a little bit more because it is the way it's set up it's as if the, like the game wants you to come to this level first because when you come to China the power up you've just gotten after beating Ms. Ruby through trial and error mostly rather than excellent timing. <laughs> uh, the power-up you get is the invisibility power-up. And mm. it's you, again, you hold what button? Circle, of course. Um, but you stand still, you hold circle, you go invisible. And the unseen foe, within seconds of beginning that level, Bentley's on the blower and he's telling you, oh, this would be a good spot to try your invisibility move. That's <laughs> oh, torture. Uh, because basically for, at the very start of the level, there's like a conveyor belt in front of you and a guard that isn't moving. So to progress past, yeah, you have to use your invisibility. And there's all throughout that level, there's a, a reliance on that move that I loved. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, mm. I, I really enjoyed it. Like there's a guard with his feet planted he's, and he's swiveling back and forth on the, on the spot. And again, it's about going forward in small, uh, small stages, going invisible when he's shining at you, shine away, right, go again. The further you go into the level, and this is why I was saying uh, earlier, like I enjoyed the, the rooms of lasers or whatnot. Like in this level, you come across a group of horizontal lasers that are attached to the wall on one side and they're going down a a meandering hallway, essentially. Mm. Yeah, mm. You, you couple that then with like searchlights that are scanning this area and it's just all together. It's a lovely bit of business. A mixture of great vibes, uh, but also just really solid. But that cloaking thing, maybe even introduced a little bit late in the game because I just yeah. thought that was po- possibly just like the, the, the best mechanic really, just made it all about timing all the time. Um Plus, just lovely vibes. I'm a big fan of a snow level on any video game, mm-hmm. um, and that the whole vibe of that place with the lasers. Yeah, it was it was it was good stuff. Just really, really, really enjoyable stuff. Just kind of again, all all came together. And Flaming Temple of Flame is just that to uh, maybe a slightly lesser ex- lesser extent, but still really enjoyable. Where you have those small pits of beams, and you have to navigate them. Really, really good stuff. Speaking of really, really good stuff. Or maybe not, uh, in certain cases. Now, let's chat about the story. 
So how was the plot, the pacing, was the voice acting any good? How was the script? I'm going to start us off because I feel like I may be slightly more forgiving in certain areas, but I'm going to, don't you worry, I'm going to fucking go in on this uh, also in a minute. (laughs) This is a nice, sweet coming of age story. Yeah. Like you made reference to it earlier, Josh, when talking about clockwork. And Sly asks clockwork, you know, when he's dying, this robot owl, like Sly, not the sharpest two in the drawer when he asks a robot, does he age? But (laughs) nonetheless, when he asks him, you know, when you offed my owlfella and my my mam, why did you let me live? Uh, Clockwork says, you know, he wanted to prove that the Cooper family were rubbish without the book. And then Sly replies, Something to the effect of the Thievius Raccoonus doesn't create Master Thieves. Master Thieves create the Thievius Raccoonus. And, mm. and, and that's even hammered home uh, more in the ending cutscene when Sly talks about, uh, you know, oh, look, I, I wouldn't have done this without my two pals. And it's, it, <laughs> it, it gives off that sort of road trip coming of age a little late, perhaps. Like, you know, it, it's not something that's th- threaded throughout like a, a licorice pizza, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe this is, this isn't that. This is not quite the licorice pizza of video games, no. but yeah, I know. I, 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 yeah, totally, totally. It, it was quite sweet and uh, I don't mean to shit all over that. It was, uh, <laughs> it did have some nice, do you know, do you know what, nice vibes. In, in fairness, like even I mentioned about, you know, his two pals and I couldn't have done it without them. Like it is very Saturday Saturday morning cartoon and perhaps they could have peppered that throughout. It it does come a little bit later. You find out clockwork, who clockwork is just before you go to clockwork. So he he, <laughs> do, he doesn't really have, like he hasn't been this like omnipresent figure or anything like that. But mm. it, it's like here, all right, yeah, you, you, you did it. You, you had a nice message and it, it was delivered, you know, quite well at the end. Yes, it could have been peppered throughout perhaps. One thing I, I really enjoyed as well, but yeah, I know it's something you too loved, Adam, uh, and that were the, the kind of comic book style cutscenes. Yeah, they're, they're a real highlight. They just, they, they just felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, they, that, I think I even when they were designing this game, that was a huge thing for them, because I think they have aged well. Also, mm. like, I don't, like, I don't think they look poor at all like there's still a lot of um a lot of charm to it but um yeah it was it, like the cutscenes like they're just it's it's a really cool way to start each chapter um and I love the kind of like how each chapter had its own kind of title like um and just the way it was that 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 last like kind of frame picture that they have put up and stuff um really really nice touch uh I I'd be actually curious to know if if that's the kind of way it stays for the other games, you yes. Know? Well, mm. I I know mm. that in Infamous it was a similar style. I haven't played Ghost Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. but oh, yeah, yeah, Infamous yeah, was that sort of comic book style uh, animation yeah. and whatnot. And it does make sense. the The art director Dev Medan, he apparently worked on comics prior to Soccer Punch. Um, th- mm. there are some inconsistencies with with these. It's, it's, you know, it's nitpicky, but like some characters have movement while others don't. Like one that sticks out is Ms. Ruby 
She is like, she is stationary, yet her stationary drawing is moving from the foreground to the background and it looks a bit weird. <laughs> and there are certain moments like that. But on the whole, like it fits the self-shadedness of Sly, like having these panel-like, uh, comic book panel-like cutscenes, I thought, I thought was done, oh, yeah. was done well. I, I suppose the characters in this, I know Adam, you want to talk about one and Josh, you want to talk about another and I'm guessing neither of you have good things to say about them. And that's Sly's friends. Josh, <laughs> you, you didn't like the pink hippo. No, I, no, I did not. And uh, I remember, I can't, I don't know where I picked this up. It was possibly in one of those, in, the, in one of the making of videos. But I, I, I remember the, I think someone from, in, from Sucker Punch saying that, you know, Mur- Murray's whole uh, vibe, it, it was that he kind of wants to be like Sly. You know, mm-hmm. like he he sort of sees Sly as his kind of hero, and that just sort of didn't come across. I I guess he kind of does the uh, thing. I, I, it didn't come across at all. I thought, no, no, no. I mean, he he does a thing where he has the key and he tries to toss it up into the air like Sly does, but it sort of fails. But in the game, he just comes across as sort of an unlikable sort of moron, really. Um, yeah, and just a, and not helped by the fact that the only real mechanical interaction you have is those stupid cover shooting uh, gallery sections. I suppose you could say, oh, well, Murray drives the car in the race. But no, generally, uh, yeah, Murray was just sort of nothing, really. Um, I sort of feel like the only character who really had any much depth at all was Sly, in that you know about his family and his, his kind of his origins and why he's doing this, but they just kind of go, yeah, and these guys are Sly's friends from the orphanage, so that's that's what that's about. And you kind of think, well, yeah. okay. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I would say at least Murray is 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 not, he doesn't pipe up as much as, as Bentley. I, I, he, get, he gets a bit snooty though during the racing ones. If you remember, <laughs> there's that, like he says at the opening line, it's like, like Sly's trying to explain what oh, to do, yeah. you know, for them. And then he says, so, Don't, like, I got this, Sly, yeah, just relax. Yeah. And he says something like that and you're like, a little pisser. Yeah. Away with it. Yeah, he's like, oh, this isn't my first rodeo or something like that. Yeah, and I'm like, well, do you know what I mean? Chill out, because, I mean, number Relax one, it there, is. Murray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, an unimpressive sort of moron. Uh, but maybe not yeah. quite as, I liked Bentley more, but also Bentley spoke more. And well, well I mean, I, I feel like for the people at home, it is important if, if they don't know how they sound to to get that so yeah for for the purposes of that this is how the hippo murray sounds nice job you got it if you come down through the fire escape and head through the parking lot we'll be waiting in the getaway van (laughs) (laughs) getaway van (laughs) you're not a fan of that no i mean need i say more no no Absolutely not. Possibly the most unlikable hippo <laughs> in video games. Balls clean. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah, think of any of them. But um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, speaking of voices, Adam, you weren't a fan of uh, Sly's other friend, Bentley. Who could be? <laughs> Bentley, like, no. Oh, come on. <laughs> no. Lighten up. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Look, I know what they're trying to do. I know it's like, it's so on the nose that 
like, this is the nerdy guy and whatever. And you're just like, no, I'm not there. And then he's, he's, he's in the game so much. Like, do you know, it's like they could have made it even Stevens with himself and Murray, you know, like, as you said, Josh, like Murray, he's not, he's just there. Murray, you're just getting Murray out of situations. Do you know, you're like, Murray, boy, what are you up to? What are you up to? Come on now. Bentley then is on the blower telling you to constantly press circle all the time and he's ringing you and talking nonsense. He is, please tell me you have a sound clip off him, Colin. Oh my God, a green waterfall overflowing of bones and body parts. I'm telling you, the health department's going to come down big time on this dump. <laughs> like it's, actually, it's actually worse than I remember. Because he drags out every word. Uh, oh, I, God. Uh, in comparison Torture. to Murray, honestly, I thought there was a bit of a charm to Bentley. <laughs> of course I, I, you did. I thought, uh, yes, he, you know, it's it's generic. Um, nerdy mm. guy, you know, t- the tech genius of mm-hmm. the friends. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it didn't bother me as much as like. Whereas Murray, I was like, can we sort one thing out? By the way, I, I, I this didn't get you guys' opinion on this. Um, with Bentley, is he wearing uh some thick wooden framed glasses, or are those his eyebrows? Oh, hang on. Let me get a picture up of him there. Because I wondered throughout the game if that he just has cartoon style eyebrows or stylish little sort of horn rim, you know, glasses or wooden frame uh, glasses or something. What the? I wasn't, wasn't um, quite sure. Yeah, I don't know what they are. They just look like pieces of <laughs> stick. That, that is a phenomenal observation that totally passed me by. But you are, you are right. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> Is the dress yeah. white with a blue trim or blue with a white trim? It does Bentley have bushy I, eye, bushy eyebrows yeah. or a wooden framed glasses? I don't know. It's the it's the eyebrows that broke the internet this week. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I don't know. I actually, think, I can't believe how this looks. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, well. No, there, there were a few other characters that I wanted to talk about. The bosses themselves. We we've spoken about clockwork. I feel like we we've kind of gotten to the 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 crux mm. of him, um, and he's mm. just kind of he's just there now. In fairness, I do think like a, <laughs> a lot of them are just there, but at least I I feel like mm. Sucker Pinch Punch are trying with the other bosses because the only mm. time you get any insight into these bosses really is the beginning of the, their episodes, you'll get the comic book style cutscene and you'll get, you get their backstory and then you'll have an interaction with them before you fight them and just after you fight them. Now, Mugshot, who is this large, muscular bulldog, Ms. Ruby, who is a, a, a voodoo magic crocodile, um... The, those two characters, they were outcast by other kids their age when they were growing up. Um, Panda King was shunned because he was poor. And Sir Raleigh, he is a bored rich frog that wanted to become a pirate. <laughs> so that doesn't fall in line with the other ones, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's not much of a kind of redemption arc with that one. You know? No, no. But even, I'm glad you said that, Josh, because... I find them making these characters somewhat sympathetic before you go into their worlds 
a bit weird because the the characters are so undercooked. You know, it's 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 as if Sucker Punch they they want to make you feel for these characters, <laughs> but then that's entirely unnecessary because there is no redemption arc for them. Because when yeah. you meet them, Sly doesn't try to get them to see the error, error of their ways. He just twats them around the head with a cane. Yeah, that's it. Thumps them one, is, and that's the end of it. That's, you know, that's the redemption right there. Yeah. And in fairness, <laughs> the the Fiendish Five, the members of the Fiendish Five. They're happy enough. Well, they're not happy to get uh, thumped around the head, but they are just like, oh, we're going to kill you, Sly. Like, there's nothing about, do you know what? Yeah, I was bullied as a child, so maybe I should, yeah. uh, maybe I should cop on. And But it, there's nothing. There's nothing of that. No, no. I, I sort of thought they might join his gang and, you know, become, become you know, part of the part of the van. You know, that, that'd be something. But no, none of that. Just... Kane for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fairness, every actor in this is, well, every. A lot of of them are giving it socks. Uh, they're totally mm. hammy, over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think that it's like that OTT-ness works quite well for a lot of them. Mm. So before I really go... Uh, go in on some of these, I did want to highlight some characters. So Mugshot... I enjoyed, I really enjoyed Mugshot, and here's a bit of Mugshot. Hey, wait a second. I seen that stick before. Wow, you're a Koopa? You know, that Singus Rakamagookas had a lot of nice pictures, but way too many big boys. He's enjoyable, but I I must say my favourite is probably Rally. Uh, Sir Rally, excuse me, the frog. Sir Rally. Talk about delivery. This man is a thespian. Um... Peaks and troughs, just absolutely marvellous. So this is when you meet him for the first time and then you're going to hear uh, after the boss fight uh, when you have defeated him. How delightful. We have a guest. The only thing is... I hate unexpected guests. Gloat all you want, Sly Cooper. (laughs) It's that <laughs> sly goober. It's it's, yeah. it's fantastic. It's good stuff. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Again, you know, I talk about the, the the redemption arc isn't there. All that it's it's all really silly. It's all pointless. Uh, which is why I almost I I would prefer if they were these silly over the top. Because so, you know we've mentioned numerous times about Saturday morning cartoon. These characters. Sh- like, why are you trying to make them sympathetic? Don't make them sympathetic. They are evil. <laughs> they want to take over the world. That's enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Some characters, however. Oh, oh, oh dearie, dearie me. Look, <laughs> I knew things like this were going to come up many, many times because we're going to be talking about very old games in some cases. Now, this game as well, 20 years old, right? Yeah. You might anticipate some things popping up in this. And there are a couple of characters. So, first of all, Panda King, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Voiced by a man called Kevin Blackton, who passed away in 2017. And uh, I've, you know, I will give Blackton his flowers as well because he also voiced, well, he voiced Clockwork, who is kind of whatever, but he Mm. voiced Mugshot and Sorali, who I've just said were fantastic. So, like, you know, that's incredible range. Oh, yeah, yeah. However, I mean... Why is a Caucasian man voicing a character that's playing off Kung Fu 
stereotypes. Yeah. Don't it's... don't come at me with like Jack Black and Kung Fu Panda. Like Jack Black doesn't affect his voice. Yeah, it's the affectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, like yeah, Ke- they're, they're, they're Kevin Blackton yeah. does for. I mean, just listen, like, listen to this. I see you carry Kane of Notorious Cooper Thief Clan. Have you come here for revenge? What? Uh, yeah, it's. It, you're right. It's the affectation, and actually, and not, and not. It's a really weird, almost not just uh, offensive, but also quite uh, baffling because he seems to be doing a sort of George Takai, or trying to, and kind yeah, of, and kind oh my of, god, great pull, Josh. Yes, that's, yeah. it's, it sort of struck me as a bit of a double whammy of oof, that's a bit, but then also, and why George Takai? But you know, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Very um, However, yeah. e- even at that, and you know, it's it's not, we're not giving out prizes for the worst <laughs> racist <laughs> stereotype in the game, but Ms. Ruby, uh, my jaw it, dropped. It was, it was grotesque. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> the actor who voiced this character is a woman called Prisciliana Esparaloni. Esparalini, excuse me. Mm. Um, so she voiced the character. Uh, no, I, I I looked on her IMDb and I'm just going to remind myself, I think she was in like an episode of NCIS. She's like, you know, done a few things. Is it NCIS? Oh, she was in Mayans, which was the oh. the Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Yes, yeah. she was in NCIS Hawaii. Um, but look, what in the name of God is this character? Like, a cr- okay, a crocodile. Mm. That lives in Haiti, yep. practices voodoo, mm. and has a southern drawl. Mm. Yeah, they've gone. They've gone for the trifecta of of of, of offense there. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's sort of like almost like live and let die levels of oh god, that sets a lot of people back a number of years uh, in how offensive that is. It's so mad. Like, yeah, like here for those that haven't heard Ms. Ruby for context, like. Here is her speaking, and just, wow. I could feel that Cooper vibe coming most distastefully bad juju. Oh, sly, I see your mouth moving, but all I hear is blah, blah, blah. What? The blah, blah, blah bit is just, oh, dearie, uh, dear. Uh, um, oh, it it it's 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 offensive. It it, it is. It, I mean, it is bad. It, it, I I I genuinely I think it's just bad. It is bad. Um, yeah, it is bad. It's the decision to go for the caricature, and also some stuff, I suppose, which is probably not the actor's choice. I.e., this is a character that that is a kind of voodoo um, practic- mm. practitioner, you know, which they, which they may not have had a had a say in, but it just combines. Uh, to, to you know, as part of such an out, just an outrageous performance, which yeah, apart from anything else, just very annoying and grating. I mean, you just cringe listening to it, mm. don't you? You just like nails on a oh. chip. It's like, oh god, come on, stop enough of that. Rough, very, very, very rough. I think we've covered a lot of things, lads. But this is the part of our discussion where it's just: Have you anything else to add? Is there any other little things that haven't been able to fit in other categories? that you would like to mention. Adam, start us off. I know that whilst we spoke about the, even just the Ms. Ruby level, uh, the boss fight with the rhythm action game, 
and how the music is remixed. It doesn't work there, but the music in other areas where you're not having to (laughs) press buttons in time with it, that worked for you. Yeah, I thought the music was pretty mental overall. Like, (laughs) it's it's not something I'm going to throw on and be like, whoa, banger. But like, (laughs) it's... um, it's just like from the from the very first mission, like the the even I think it's even the same music that's in the the main menu screen. It's so jarring and odd. Yeah, it like it's it's really difficult to describe it. But like it, it what reminds me of is uh this movie called Liquid Sky. It's just like very very random cult kind of movie, mm. and it has that kind of like it's it's like this jarring techno kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, I like which I know I know some people are like well I'm never going to listen to that but uh, <laughs> I think there's another level um, called uh, Treasure in the Depths I think that like also has some sort of like weird techno slash rock element going on but then the kind of craziest one of all really is the I think it's it's the uh, Miss Ruby one the Vicious Voodoo chapter there's this continuous news that happens throughout it and it's like something straight out of Silent Hill. That is, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so <laughs> mental. It's just, if you just close your eyes, you think Silent Hill was being played. It's nuts. It is it's, weird. As I said, it's not a soundtrack you're going to be looking for on Spotify or YouTube, but <laughs> it definitely stands out for me anyway. A lot of the tracks, feel, even though they're not, they feel free form. Yeah. They they almost they lack a, they lack a melody, but not in in oh, a completely like not in such a way where you're going. This is rubbish. It's I don't know. They, it, it's as if they're just making it up as they go along. Yeah, yeah. It, it's honestly within the first, I'd say the first two minutes of me starting the game, I in my head went, "What the hell is coming out of the speaker?" <laughs> I was like, yeah. "What is going on with the music straight away?" So I just kind of paid attention, and as I went on, it was just an it was an it was a crazy journey. That whole soundtrack. Uh, t- talking about the the sound of it, I just wanted to quickly mention his his walk. Uh, we we spoke about how it looks. I love how it sounds. Yeah, yeah. And again, it, it it totally doesn't work because if this game was being made today, that that bass run that plays while you're walking would match the key of the song that is playing but here it just doesn't (laughs) it just don't care Um, and I I kind of didn't care either I was like oh I I just I really just again it's that stealth motif and sneaking spies it's really cool it it works so much Um, the camera lads I I, I did want to mention that and I, I mean, I, I, I probably could have fit this in somewhere, but there, there are points in this game where Sucker Punch clearly wants it to be so filmic that it is to the detriment of the player and the, the, the experience they are having mm. where the camera will be, you know, it'll be perched on high and you as the player will be like, I'd love it if I could swing this around um, <laughs> because I, I'm having a bit of difficulty here. And I'd love to, for example, like, and I, I enjoyed like the physics of hanging objects. That unpredictability was quite enjoyable. Like you mentioned the mugshots area, Adam. I think it might actually yeah. even be in Boneyard Casino where the dollar signs are hanging above. Yeah. But th- there are some times where the camera is just 
in the most awkward of places. And it's something you mentioned that turned you off day one when you tried to play it way back yeah. when, Adam. And this time it just, I got over it. And, and that's, that was kind of an example of, look, this is something kind of 2002-ish that I'm, I'm going to let slide, but it is still noticeably annoying at points. Not to, not to a level where you're going like, I'm going to have to walk away from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I... I actually think this time around I wasn't too bad about it. Um, it definitely is an issue, though, but I, I, I do think that, like, it, it, it saves itself because, as you said, the whole cinematic they're going for, we understand, like, you know, in ways they want it to look kind of slick. But, like, if that game's platforming was any level of, of, of punishing, it would be because of that camera, really. Do you know, it, it, mm. it helps that he's so like like easy to like move around the levels and stuff and he, he's pretty much a magnet to a lot of things um but like if that was a hardcore platformer you would be blaming the camera for a lot of it that is fair yeah you you do magnet to to a lot of stuff which which uh, well, yeah would make, make you a bit more forgiving on the camera i guess yeah josh what about you what was um yeah anything else you'd like to to point out about sly yeah, I, I mean, one of the one of the kind of weird things about it, I wish that, in a way, they wouldn't just have shied away from sort of making him a thief. Like, the story was pretty cool, it had some good things about it, but it did that thing where he kind of made a big deal of like, well, yeah, he only steals from you know, from really bad people. And uh, it's like... It's like Dexter, isn't it? Like, he, he only <laughs> yeah. kills really bad people. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, and, and that happens a lot in games. It's like, they're afraid to give us, <clears throat> like, proper... No, not villains, I guess, but anti-heroes. It's a bit weird. It's kind of happened in Hitman as well. But there's just that tendency to... I would have really liked it if Sly was like it is in the advert. I think, I think Doug Lyman's got a lot to answer for, frankly. It's like, I wish... <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was just like imagine all the characters are the same and the mechanics are largely the same but it's just you you got to break into the Louvre and steal the Mona Lisa you know that <laughs> brilliant but as it is it's like yeah they're all villains and actually they're all thieves themselves and I don't know it's just like stick to your guns like I want to play as a, a dirty nasty freak to, to, to quote that person from the other you know it's like th- that would have been cool um, and it, it's, it happens loads these days it re- really annoys me it's like let us be a naughty little raccoon fella that'd be great I'd love that that would, um, that would be good but yeah and then the other thing I wanted to touch on was the, the cell shading because it's really good it's it's cell shading and also traditional rendering techniques. And it's really weird. Cell shading really had its moment at that time. Um, like the year before it was uh, Wind Waker came out, which is obviously like a huge deal. And this kind of borrows the, the barrel stuff from that. But then like the year after Sly, it was uh, 13, which was uh, another mm-hmm. Ubisoft thing. And like cell shading just really had that moment. They had cell damage as well, which I think was 2002. Um, and it's and it it ages well, and that's all. It's all. It's just a really good example of art direction over graphics. Because even now, yeah, I'm just playing yeah. on a little Vita screen. I'm just like, oh, this this just still looks great. There's lovely ink, thick ink lines where you kind of even when you get close to characters, it just looks great. 
big fan of that. Uh, and I think we've covered pretty much everything we can about Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. But before we give our kind of final, final thoughts on this game, lads, would you like to play a quiz? Sure, why big not? Time. episode of Stealth Boom Boom will see me test the gaming knowledge of my co-hosts, Adam Carroll and Josh Wise, with a simple quiz I like to call the Stealth Boom Boom Quiz. I haven't come up with a name yet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The quiz will consist of questions related to the game we've just discussed. Today, that of course is Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Uh, Each participant will be given, and this is important now, lads, so listen up, right? Each participant will be given Three questions. Each question has three stages. I told you this was going to be convoluted. Good Lord. Stage one. The competitor will be asked the question and won't be given any hints. If they answer correctly at this stage, they get three points. Stage two. The competitor's uh, question will become multiple choice. Four options. If they answer correctly at this stage, they get two points. Stage three. The competitor's question will be tarranted further and those four multiple choice options will become two. If they answer correctly at this stage, they get one point. Uh, The competitor has only, and again, important, has only one chance to submit an answer or have their answer go orange. Again, we're tarranting. That's all we're doing. Um, If they are incorrect, that question is offered to the other competitor. If the other competitor answers correctly, they get the points. Most points win. And what do points mean? That's right. My respect. And nothing more. <laughs> no prizes. None. Whilst I feel like it's, it sounds convoluted, I think, <laughs> I hope it's kind of... Let's, let's model, no, no, we'll, we'll model through and, you know, if, if we'll work it out live on air. And, uh, you know, and the, and the good people listening can, can work it out with us. But it's all good. Okay. Excellent. I'm not sure how we decide who goes first. Let's say we flip a coin. Do I have a coin? Nobody carries money on them these days. I have a plectrum here next to me. Perfect. Sweet. Okay. Would you like uh, somebody call writing picture or no picture? And I will be honest. I will be honest. Okay. So Josh, you call it. Okay. Well, which one would be tails? Well, there is there is the head of a turtle on one side and nothing on the other. Brilliant. So I guess the, the side that has nothing. Yeah, I, I know. Okay. I know that brand of pick as well. My brother uses those little turtle. But anyway, uh, the one without the turtle on it, because you know, not a fan of, but not a fan of Bentley. So no turtle for me. Oh, and it's worked out for you, Josh. Well done. So you get to choose. Would you like to go first or second? I will go first, please. Okay. Question one. When Sly Cooper's mother and father were brutally murdered at the hands of the Fiendish Fiendish Five, Sly went to an orphanage, which is where he met his two best friends, Murray and Bentley. What was the name of that orphanage? Oh. Now, now remember, you can go on to stage two. This is for three points. You can go on to stage two where you will get four multiple choice answers if you wish. The Happy Camper Orphanage. Are you? Is that your final answer? Are you I, sure? I think so. Ha- yeah, Happy the Happy Camp. Yeah, that. Yes, I think so. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. Three points on the board for Josh oh, Wise. Unbelievable. Jesus. <laughs> 
That's big time. That's a big win. That is I have no idea why that's stuck in my... Well, I guess just the cutscenes are just quite cool, but I, for whatever reason, uh, yeah, stuck in my head. I'm a happy Incredible. camper. I'm a happy camper. Indeed, indeed. Um, okay, Adam Carroll, your first question. Going to have to bring the fire now here. After defeating Mugshot in Mesa City, Utah, Sly Cooper retrieves the Thievius Raccoonus entry that teaches him the rail walk and rail slide abilities. Which one of his ancestors penned this section of the Thievius Raccoonus? I am absolutely going to stage two because okay. I do not know that. So for two points, uh, is it A, Cowboy Carl Cooper? Is it B, Sundance Cooper? Is it C, Cassidy Cooper? Or is it D, Tennessee Kid Cooper? Mm. And remember, you can go for one point, which would make it a 50-50. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go Tennessee Kid because I don't feel like Sundance and did you see Carol? Yeah, I'm going yeah, to go D. Final answer? Yeah. Two points on the board for Adam. Well oh, done. Hey, boy. Jesus. Well done. <laughs> okay, Josh, your second question. Oh, God, here we go. <clears throat> Before he was named Sly Cooper, what was developer Sucker Punch going to call him for three points? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't think I'm going to get that one. Uh, can I do the thing where I get the multiple choices, please? You can, of course. Was it A, JT, B, Sneakus, C, Ricky, or D, Stallone? Uh, um, I'm going to go for... Uh, uh, Rickus. <laughs> well, that wasn't a choice. Oh, um, wait. <laughs> yeah, did, I, <laughs> did I miss it? There, the there, there was B, B was Sneakers and C, C, C was Ricky. Uh, oh, I combined the two of them. Okay, I'll go for, I'll go for Sneakers then. Okay. Uh, so yeah, for two points, B, Sneakers, yeah. Cooper. Incorrect. Oh, I'm afraid. Damn. Which means it does get passed over for two points to Adam Carroll. And I will say, <laughs> you don't get to go. To, it, it's now or you don't get it, basically. Okay. No, no. I, I, I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for Ricky because Ricky Cooper sounds pretty cool. Okay. To take the lead, Adam, you say Ricky. Sure, it can't be Stallone. Incorrect. Oh, ah. It was JT, Justin Timberlake Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's poor. Adam, your second question for three points. Matt Olson, the voice actor of Bentley, wasn't a voice actor before Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Where did creative director Nate Fox find Matt Olson? <laughs> It's a toffee for three points. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I'd have to go multiple, please. <laughs> okay, for two points. Did creative director Nafox find Matt Olsen in A, 
Uh, Olsen drove his car into the back of Fox. They got <laughs> chatting and hit it off. Uh, B, Olsen was in front of Fox in the queue at a Starbucks and heard his voice while making his order. Fox <laughs> offered him the role of Bentley right there. C, uh, Olsen worked in Fox's local record store and would introduce Fox to new bands. Or D, while doing research for the game, Fox went to a raccoon sanctuary called <laughs> Raccoon Tours, where he met raccoon enthusiast Matt Olson. They're, they all sound outrageous. <laughs> um, what was the first one? Olsen drove his car into the back of Fox. They got chatting and hit it off. B, Olsen was standing okay, in yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, that's a, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go for A. Olsen drove his car into the back of Fox. They got chatting and hit it off. Final answer? Yes. For two points. You're incorrect, I'm afraid. You're Brooklyn. incorrect, which means Brooklyn. it gets passed over, Josh Wise. It's, it's got to be... Uh, I've got to go for the Starbucks one. It's got to be. If this, it, it's got to be. that's that, it's got to be. It's blow my mind. Because, yeah, because also... Yeah, I'm going to go Starbucks. Incorrect, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, God. Perfect, perfect. That's all right. Olsen worked in Fox's local record store yeah, and would introduce Fox to new bands. Josh, your final question after the both of you made fantastic (laughs) starts. So yeah, you're on three points, Josh. This is four three points. Um, Okay. So once you defeat each boss, you're treated to a cutscene where you'll see the front page of a newspaper that tells you Carmelita has arrested said boss. (laughs) Which one of these headlines does not Mm, just realised this question doesn't work. <laughs> okay, in that case, I'm bo- I'm just both going to give you multiple choice for this question because I've just realised this question doesn't work. Okay, so right, Josh, for three points, yeah, which yeah. one of these headlines does not appear in the game? Is it A, hot stuff with a badge, collars canine criminal? B. Hot Latina brings down diabolical croc. C. Hot chick with gun busts amphibious yuck mouth. Or D. Hot Latin spitfire puts fiery panda on ice. I thought when talking about the characters, I totally forgot we could talk about Carmelita as well. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh... The one that's hot Latina. So there's, there's hot Latina brings down diabolical croc or hot Latin spitfire puts fiery panda on ice. I seem to, I'm going to go for the Latina one. Uh, yeah. As does not appear in the game. As does not. Yeah. Okay. For three points. You're a winner! Yes! <sighs> Well done, well done, Josh. My apologies for making an absolute hames of the very first quiz. Uh, I do apologise, um, Adam. You you can't win, but you know I can't. You're you're on two points. You can finish on uh, finish Th- on. Five. Thank you, Colum. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Colum. Thank you. Uh, your final question: During development, prior to the checkpoint system in game, the light that shoots out of a signal repeater that has uh, the Sly Cooper emblem on it. So yeah, the checkpoint system. 
Um, there was another visual thing in place. So that wasn't there. There was something else. Instead, two meerkat-looking characters would pop out of a treasure chest. What were their names? I messed up Josh's question, so you get multiple choice for three points as well. Were their names A, Paul and Barry, B, Dick and Dom, C, Ant and Deck, or D, Zig and Zag? The first one. Paul and Barry. Final answer? Surely it's Paul and Barry. Yeah, it has to be. There's Murray. There's Murray and Bentley. There has to be Paul and Barry. There is Murray and Bentley, but I'm afraid, Adam, there is no Paul and Barry. I actually am giving up on everything. (laughs) I can't believe it. How can they have... I I actually realised that this is the first time we've done this quiz and it's going to make me mad. The correct answer was Zig and Zag. No, that's on... Look, look, Colin, you know what Zig and Zag is to us. (laughs) Come on, no. I'm cranky. Oh, that's good. The first quiz, and we've got some controversy. It's all good stuff. It's all good. (laughs) Oh, I'll try not to mess up the next one. Uh, I do apologise. Let's uh, let's get on to the verdict. What we decide, what we, the honour we bestow upon Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoon. So let's take a quick break, and then we will be back right after this. All right, the time for talk is over, or at least it will be very shortly uh, when we decide uh, our final thoughts on Sly Cooper. Uh, But before that, I have some reviews at the time uh, of Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. So our first review, Jeff Gerstmann of GameSpot, who gave it 7.8 out of 10. Uh, Gersman said Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus is about three or four levels short of greatness the story works the graphics are really impressive and the gameplay is a lot of fun even if it isn't all that difficult the main problem is that as uh, is that just as you're getting into a groove and really enjoying the variety seen throughout the different worlds and levels the game ends uh, Kristen Reed from Eurogamer gave it 8 out of 10 and said, taking into account the superbly judged playability, classy visuals, variety, welcome element of stealth and replayability, uh, Sucker Punch has managed to ensure that Sly Raccoon is elevated from being just another platform game. Benjamin Turner of GameSpy gave it 4.5 out of 5 and said, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus is as polished a platformer as you'll find this year and should please just about any fan of the genre. It's sterling production values, accentuated smooth, sublime gameplay. Heck, even the mini games are polished. Sucker Punch truly is among the elite top tier of platform game developers. And finally, Douglas C. Perry of IGN gave it 8.5 out of 10 and said Sly Cooper is an excellent looking game, probably one of the best looking games of the year, at least in terms of art direction. And it's beautifully animated as well. All of the characters are lovable and the story is well scripted and well written too. Uh, so there is much to like about its overall presentation and graphic appeal. Gameplay-wise, the final score comes down to the speed and scale at which you're able to apply to a platform game. But it's pretty clear that the uh, that Sly Cooper is, is a brief game. The 35 missions are briefer than they sound, and the game is just plain easy to beat. I would highly recommend this game to platform fans, because Sly Cooper is truly something special, but don't expect to be playing it too long. But lads, when it comes down to it, None of those opinions matter. The only opinions that matter <laughs> is Adam Carroll's, Josh Wise and Colin Hearns, otherwise known as Stealth Boom Booms. Uh, because uh, at this point in the show, what we're going to do is we're going to summarise our thoughts on Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus and we are going to bestow uh, a rating uh, upon the game. There are three, not numbers, pff, 
no way percentages or any of that. We don't believe in that. Uh, we believe in a very, very simple system. You either say that this game is a play, a pass, or an espionage explosion. A play, and you can have thousands of qualifiers if you want, but ultimately you think people should play this game. Maybe it has a few things holding it back, or you know, you you might think pe- it should people should play the game for historical significance. Either way, you just think people should play it. Pass, pretty self-explanatory. You believe it should be left in the past because it controls terribly. It's outdated writing. It's boring. It's whatever. You you just don't think people should play it. Or yes, an espionage explosion, and it, that is the accolade. I can tell you now. I've heard from them, but it is the accolade that every developer who makes a stealth game they strive for an espionage explosion from <laughs> stealth boom boom and, and you know for a game to get this it has amazing stealth incredible action or maybe a combination of both it just it it whatever it is this game speaks to you and therefore it gets the biggest of recommendations an espionage explosion who would like to start us off if if anyone had doesn't need to think about it for a split second and goes i know what i'm saying here I can. Okay, Adam, go for it. What? What? And you know, t- tell us, tell us why. So I think I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna pick a play on this. Um, like, it's not, it's not an appalling game. I think there's, there's definitely fun to be had. I do, I do think there's a uh, the charm existing there inside it and stuff. But like, in terms of its flaws, it, it exists. Definitely within the, the voice acting and things like that. The story maybe not like the, the most gripping thing ever. But as far as platforming games go, I think there is, it's, 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 it's a nice little number. And I, like, I'd be, as I said, I'd be very keen to, to play more of the, the franchise. It, like with the reviews that we have there, like, you know, a lot of people would have said like, oh, it's very short. I think it's for what the game offers. It's, it's a, it's a perfect length. I, I don't mm. think that game mm-hmm. should be any longer than what it's offering. Um, so, um, yeah, I didn't think, like, I waste my time playing it. There are, as I said, some questionable moments, but overall, platforming still holds up pretty well. It's not doing anything too incredible there, but it, it works. And um, there's, there's nice talking points surrounding it. You know, there's no way I could turn around and go, that was boring. It's absolutely not... Um, so I think for any person that's into a kind of a, a charming platformer, I'd be definitely saying play. Josh, this is the part of the podcast where you 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 grab your desk, you you flip it, you say, "How could you you you, you give this a play? How dare you?" So go on, go on. This is this is going to be exciting radio. Go on, go for it, Josh. Go 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 go. Well, I I pretty much concur. I mean, you know, I'm sorry to to let to let you down. There's no there's no great drama here. I, I wouldn't say that you that you should play it. I think I'd say if you you know if you have an interest in in platformers, definitely. I think it's interesting that just because you can kind of see where Sucker Punch was coming from. Like I think that's always interesting if you, if you look at Sony now. You know, you're getting a decent platformer, but you're also kind of looking at an interesting studio, as we kind of touched on earlier. You can see those comic yeah. comic book origins coming in if you like Infamous, and they they even show up in um, <clears throat> Ghost of Tsushima in the side quests. You get the little um, comic splash panels and stuff that tell the story. So I think you can kind of trace that back. It's kind of interesting, and to just sort of reflect on 
Sony at that time. Outrageous money for adverts. Quite fun platforming, but maybe a little underwhelming. Um, and I think you could probably say style over substance with um, with Sly, but but not that much. It wouldn't be that much more style than substance. It'd be pretty close. But ultimately, play. It's 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 not a pass. It's a play. It's a half-hearted play. A soft play. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to be able to, to you know, have the dramatic uh, piece here where I say the both of you are wrong for either reason. And I think it should be a pass or an espionage explosion, but I, I can't. I 100% agree. It is a play. I, I think maybe a stronger play than you, Josh. I, I love the how simplistic the inputs are and how <laughs> yeah. ridiculous the, the character is. Uh, I found it very, very pleasant. Yeah, it it has its failings. You know, we've gone through all that, but overall, I as a like, how many stealth platformers are there? And like, especially you know, like with anthropomorphic animals <laughs> as your protagonist, like that's just they're always like action games. You're always like a, a Tasmanian devil like character yeah. who's just uh, flailing wildly, or you know, yeah, you have guns or whatnot. You're a little dragon. You're a crocodile. <laughs> Whereas here, at least there there are some elements of stealth. It's a bit more interesting, is it? You've got a little sprinkling in there. Although I will just say, just to uh, to touch on uh, one of those chaps, I think it was Ben Turner from GameSpy. It it it's not the best platformer that we saw that year. Just 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 to touch on that, we got we got Super Mario Sunshine and Ratchet and Clank that year, both of which are. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to put that out in the open. Benjamin Turner from uh, GameSpy.com. Uh, it may be twenty years down the road, but I, I'm, I'm calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> I know Super Mario Sunshine gets gets pelters from mm. a lot of different people. However, I, I will 100 percent back you up. Like Ratchet, Ratchet and Clank is is better. Oh like, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 just yeah that, definitely. Like, the jump, definitely. the guns. It was difficult for them. Like you know, you're releasing <laughs> at the same time as Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, and he, 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 like their their trajectory is quite similar, but just Sly Cooper didn't quite. You know, there was nearly a Sly Cooper film, but it wasn't made. <laughs> there was a Ratchet and Clank film. Yeah, that's that's Christ. That's true. And you know what? Even well, I was going to say even the people that do have their problems with Mario Sunshine. I don't I don't know if they'd have a problem with the platforming in it, but there was one other game in 2002 that that did not get a look in and was even below Sly Cooper, and that, lest we forget, was Blink's the Time Sweeper. Of so, course. You know. How could we? Yeah. And he's truly a hero lost to time because he got buried under not just Ratchet and Clank, but Sly Cooper and Super Mario, so he, he was fucked from day dot. But you know. <laughs> it was. Anyway, so there we go. It's it's a play from all three of us. That's not too shabby for Sly. <laughs> no, it's pretty, it's, it is pretty good. It is pretty good. So yeah, well done, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. You dirty freak. You dirty nasty freak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but that is that's enough of Sly Cooper because uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about him again at least three more times, probably at some stage in the future. Is it three? Yeah, they made four uh, Sly Coopers. Four. Yeah. yeah. Let's look to what we're going to be talking about in the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom we're going to be talking about a game that uh, the Metro said was quote an effective homage to Clock Tower that manages to create a similar sense of helplessness 
even if it doesn't improve on the formula in any notable way. <laughs> WCCF Tech said, quote, with an excellent atmosphere, the lack of predictable jump scares and constant tension, uh, this game is a game that any true fan of the horror genre should not miss. And Tech Raptor called the game uh, a, quote, step in the right direction for survival horror. Horror fans should give the game a serious look, end quote. We're only turning back the clock a few years on the next episode uh, because we're looking at a game that originally launched on PC before coming out on the previous console generation. Yes, on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be discussing Remothered Tormented Fathers. I remind you that you were sedated with a dose of phenoxyl and submitted to the constant swing of the metronome. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? So yeah, we need to get playing that. And so do you, dear listener, if you would like to play, play along at yeah. home. Yes, indeed. This is, uh, I suppose, yeah, quite an easy one. It's on, it's on Steam if you want to get it. But thank you uh, very much for listening to this podcast, this meaty first proper edition of Stealth Boom Boom. I don't know if they're all going to be as long as this. They might be. They might not. We'll see. But yes, if you want to subscribe to Stealth Boom Boom, you can find us via your all of your podcasting apps, your favourite ones, your Spotify's, your Apple Podcasts, your Stitchers, your Tunings, your Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. So do that and then you'll never miss an episode. You can also find Stealth Boom Boom on your favourite social medias we are at Stealth Boom Boom wherever you do your social media-ing whether it is Twitter, Instagram, TikTok Hive if that still exists whatever uh, you can find us there and you can also follow us on uh, social media I am at column underscore Hearn Adam is at Adam Zokes and Josh is at Joshy Weiss but now lads It is indeed time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Colin Mahern. Sloan. Go forward.